Hello and thank you for checking out this latest episode of the Attitude Era podcast. Season 4 continues with In Your House, Revenge of the Taker. But I just wanted to take a quick moment here to thank all of our backers on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast for making this episode possible. By becoming a $5 backer now, you get instant access to over 50 hours of Smackdown Crawl. That's where me and Kevin review every single episode of Smackdown going all the way back to the start. The latest episode of which Smackdown Crawl 46 has released right right now and is available for Patreon backers. You'll also get our entire gamesmanship series of video episodes where we look at all sorts of weird wrestling games and software, some of which are even feature length episodes. Fuck me, those are big videos. And also you will get full access to our Bibliotech book reports where myself and Kevin take a deep dive into the weirdest and most interesting books in the wrestling literary canon. Our most recent installment was us finally finishing off the four part epic that was The Hardy Boys Exist to Inspire. You can get all of this great content available right now for $5 on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. You can sign up for one month and get all this lovely content and there is no obligation to pledge again. Massive thanks to everyone that has supported us on Patreon in the past or continues to do so to this day. It literally makes this show entirely possible and we could not do it without your support on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. Anyway, now it's time to get stuck into the show. In your house, revenge of the taker. Welcome to the Attitude Era Podcast. Season 4 continues with a string of pay-per-views that you probably don't care very much about and almost certainly haven't heard about. It's Revenge of the Taker. However, once again, it's me, Cowboy Kevin Man, saddling up through the fucking zenith of times that is 1997, alongside my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. To my left, has he got the jam for this episode? <laughs> I'm talking about Adam Bibolo. You got you got the jam, huh? I got, got I got the jam to come out here and do this podcast today. Have you heard about jam, Billy? Have no? you heard much jam? Oh man, it's all it's the new it's the new thing that all kids, the kids are talking all the kids. They're talking about jam. Twenty-two years ago in Canada. You thought slime was a big craze last year. Wait till you see uh-uh. the kids playing with jam. Jam is where it's all. And you can get your exclusive range of AE podcast jams and preserves coming soon to your local farmer's market. And to my right, unquestionably. The jammest man on the oh. planet. It's Billy Keeble. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Yeah? I said in the last episode, I'm not going to enjoy 97. Yeah, that was kind of a bit of a bad omen for yeah. us. <laughs> I, I can straight up say, after watching this pay-per-view, for a multitude of reasons, I'm, I'm liking 97. Yeah! Uh, a very quick turnaround here from... WrestleMania 13 to the this in terms of quality. Well, I think when you go from a WrestleMania, which the very word itself has got expectations, mm. expectations of you either having a very sore arse after a mm. few hours or expectations of quality, I don't think any of us have expectations for a show called 
Revenge of the Taker. Yeah, it is like brought to you by like Ewan McGregor levels of incredulousness at the title. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not really calling cool it that, are they? It's Revenge of the Taker. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Seriously though, Revenge of the t- not Undertaker's Revenge or anything. No, yeah. Revenge of the Taker. I'm pretty sure that some of the people are you know going pretty hard for a Return of the Dead Man, but they went with Revenge of the Taker as well. A bit violent, I think, at the end of the day, like. <laughs> Well, it's time to find all about the adventures of Mark Starkiller. It's time to settle in for one hour and 50 minutes. Oh, Oh, That is a nice length of show. It's Revenge of the Taker. With the fire of hell, the demon has risen to strike down the Almighty. And they rejoice in their misdeed. I could smell your short flesh and watch the skin melt off your face. God help me! I loved it so! But on this day, he will rise up with great vengeance and furious anger. All will know his name. The man who covets the flame will come face to face with the fire which is the rage of the Undertaker. And on this day, the wicked shall gaze upon the vengeful face of death and know their fate will forever be sealed. Oh, nice bet. It feels very nice now. Like you've got comfy trousers on or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like slipping into a nice warm bath or something. Like. Okay, pal. An hour and fifty, that's plenty. Five matches, what more could you need? <laughs> yep. Who is this Vince McMahon? Oh, mate, it's amazing. It's generous. And then Freddie Blassie given to us straight at the start here too. Like The demon has risen to strike down the Almighty. Who is the Almighty in this day? Is this Mankind? Mankind? Right, can we establish... Do, Billy, do you know what the revenge is... is alluding to here tonight? What revenge is the Undertaker after? That uh, he... Mankind threw some fire in his face. Yeah. <laughs> or Paul Bearer did. That's exactly right. And that's about it. And yeah, strangely enough, Undertaker is hot-headed about the whole affair, like. And yeah. Flexing as the new WWF champion. All booger politics here. It's yeah. like, tell you what now, who made that next paper you call Revenge of the Taker? Or oh, I ain't going to be defending this WWF championship. <laughs> <laughs> his mouth was full of chew. I don't yeah. think anyone understood what he really wanted, like. Well, he's got his championship belt and his nice new hat as well. So and, his, and his very nice minging eye. <laughs> It's minging. It's all crispy and burnt though, Billy. Yeah, but with a gooey centre as well. <laughs> oh, you know? oh, God. It's like a melted Cadbury cream egg. It bursts when you bite into it. Oh. Like, you ever get one of those really bad eggs in like a, a diner or a greasy spoon where they, they burn the bottom but the top is still undercooked? So oh, you've got yeah. the crispy bottom but the gooey white. Goo, yeah. You know, not good at all. Adam, describe for me the Undertaker's shiny new hat. He's got like a really fancy looking cowboy sort of is it a trilby I guess it would maybe be described as it's not a fedora I don't think it's got like a belt book but that's it it's it's like ornate like he's a Mennonite like yeah (laughs) pilgrim hat he's got all these jewels and like buckles attached to the front of it it's a very fancy championship hat oh to be a fly on the wall of that milliner's am I right (laughs) you know it all was going down in there like you know (laughs) 
a little bit of a, an odd kind of hard reset in ways after WrestleMania, where Mr. Shawn Michaels still is uh, searching for his smile, much like Luigi would search for Mario. Uh, Shawn Michaels has not answered all the correct geography questions yet, so he's not found it yet, unfortunately. I thought that was a Luigi's Mansion reference. Oh, no, no. This is Mario a... is missing. Yeah, Shawn Michaels outside the Guinness Brewery trying to find out about the 1916 Rising. Like, he's, he's got a busy schedule ahead of him here. But Psycho Sid is not to be seen. He uh, showed up after WrestleMania. Well, then Psycho Sid had a little bit of what can only be described as a big boo-boo. So Sid has pulled a muscle in his back. Mm-hmm. And he rang up to tell everyone that I have pulled a muscle in my back, Jim Ross. And now it's sore, so I can't do anything but promos. <laughs> uh, but he rang the office when everyone was away taping Monday Night Raw, which he didn't show up to. So uh-huh. people just assumed he took his ball and went home. I think. <laughs> like, he's not gone. He will come back. Okay. But there's been a malfunction at the junction. Okay, so technical difficulties. Yeah. Sid can't be here tonight. What technical difficulties led to them using the Mr. Bean theme for this <laughs> Seriously. Like, You've done it now. We'll just say it just falls out of the sky. Teddy. Like, I like that's how he arrived to this world. Like, just a light appeared in Survivor Series back in the 80s. And then, <laughs> From Dead Valley, the <laughs> We start things off as we mean to go on because there's been some hot developments with our tag team champions mm-hmm. and the hearts. We now have the beginning of the Heart Foundation being reformed. Very touching moment when Bret Hart came out. You know, he's thoroughly heel now, proper bad guy, as he was before WrestleMania 13. And then he came out with Owen and Davy Boy, who, you know, they've been at each other's uh, uh, throats, they've been fighting, they've uh, they've got jam with each other, basically, yeah. as I uh, heard some of the kids on the street saying that earlier. And uh, he cuts this fucking beautiful promo where it's like, Owen, you're my, you're my little brother. I grew up with you, always thought, you know, I was your big brother. Beat up all the bullies for you in school. You're my friend. I bought you a Christmas present. And Owen's like crying. Yeah. It's like, Davy, I introduce you to your wife. I mean, come on, for fuck's sake. That's got to be worth, like, a card or something. <laughs> and then they're all, like, brothers yeah. again. He's been doing this big crusade, Billy, since WrestleMania, where he is, like, he'll come out every week and thank his fans in Europe and in the UK and in Japan and everywhere around the world, especially Canada, except the fans in the US. They can all piss off. Like, his gimmick right now is that he hates the US fans. And he theorised that they turned Davy and Owen against each other, like, because the, the fans can't be trusted and they want a degenerate society, essentially. Yes, it basically we're starting now to pit the values and ideals of Canada and the rest of the world against America. Because, you know, everything that unites Canada, England, Ireland, France, Spain, Kuwait, the United Arab Emirates, all of our shared combined values that we don't have with America now, which is very, very different. Mm-hmm. So that is, there's a line that's been drawn in the sand here. I was drawn immediately to the very beautiful In Your House set. I, I enjoyed it a lot. On Chuck Bug, which is Irish for the little house. <laughs> <laughs> Could you describe it, Billy? It is just like a, a little... It's like a little white Wendy house with like a veranda. It does, yeah. It's like, it's really nice. It's like a little version of Laura Palmer's house. Yeah. Like that scary home. It completely yeah. doesn't fit with the rest of the pay-per-views. No. Or, or the, the branding name, Or the anything. branding. It doesn't fit at all, but I, I kind of like that contrast. But I was kept one eye on it the whole night because I'm like, 
I'm not entirely ruling out that some Sylvanian family looking motherfuckers <laughs> yeah. come out of there. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Well dressed woodland critter Protestants coming out with waistcoats and fucking bells and whistles. <laughs> I, I was expecting it all night. So, the Legion of Doom, who are back and allegedly better than ever, mm. with uh, Hawk being. <laughs> this is so funny. Hawk has cashed out his Lloyds of London life insurance policy. Oh, yeah. basically says that he's no longer going to be a wrestler. He's just going to be a tag team wrestler. So the, right. the, the long-standing singles run of Road Warrior Hawk has come to an end and he's only allowed to wrestle now in tag matches. Yeah. Wasn't there a brief period as well where he wasn't allowed to actually wrestle at all and he would just basically let Animal do the whole match and Hawk would come out and celebrate and everything but he wasn't actually allowed to get involved. I swear I've heard now, that. Now Lloyd's like... London, as you see, all my client did was simply jump off a top rope and someone was uh, holding him yeah. up on his shoulders. He was doing nothing and resembling wrestling. They didn't really have to do like worry about anything though because the LOD never leave their feet. That's true. Like they, It's true. Like, they'll maybe fall down after doing a move that incorporates jumping from the top rope but that's as much as they're going to touch the floor now there was a part of me that was worried that Owen and Bulldog being united again together and coming together with Brett's very sentimental promo meant that we might get some very serious Owen Hart from now on literally the week that Owen Hart has joined up with his brother Brett him and Davey Boy spent roughly an entire episode of Raw demanding replays are shown of when the Godwins accidentally threw slop on the leaves of doom. <laughs> ah, look at him! It looks like he got sick out of him! Play it again! And Danny Boy's like, flexing, going, I want to see the Legion of Doom get slop thrown on him again! Play it one more time! And I was like, ah, what? Yes, again! Show it again! Again and again and again! Like fucking Teletubbies. Like. <laughs> yeah, he wants to see the tummy custard go all over the Legion of Doom over and over. Honestly, this is like the Legion of Doom having slap thrown on him is to own heart as Del Boy going through the bars yeah. to the United Kingdom. Like, <laughs> So the Heart Foundation are together. I am... Not excited to see the Legion of Doom wrestle. No? Even though this one all started over a hot cup of slop. Like. Uh, yeah, I mean, what I'm more concerned about is that one of the fucking Godwins has broken his neck and no one seems to care much about it. Like, mm. Still showing the replays of the slop, though. You know? <laughs> is that how he broke it? Like, Jesus. <laughs> so they come out to Bret Hart's team and you've got Own Hart and British Bulldog there. I'm not going to lie, I sat here scratching my chin thinking, is this a Lego game? Because these are a couple of studs coming out here. Am I right? <laughs> uh, the crowd is deader than my cohorts, comrades and colleagues are after that joke. They're not big fans of wrestling here in Rochester, New York. Yeah. Fucking, Wake up. Come on, like. Owen's got his precious Dundies with him again still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going for that. The great grunts by Animal within this match. Oh, well, we straight up here, this is a very quiet night for grunts. Oh, so we man. get our grunt of the night right off the bat here. It's- That's great when you've got like a low energy crowd. Mm. It's basically like, you know, when bird watching, there's not a lot of people around. So it's, it's true. extra good for it's spotting true. it. You like, can hear you know? it more clearly. It's Animal doing a massive tackle like off the ropes. And he just makes a big noise. I will say at this moment as well, Kevin did ask me to go away and have a little think about my hot picks. Okay. Sort of uh, keeping an eye on what young studs we're going to be looking at this season for the upcoming grunts. Yeah, because I mean, you want to get these young hot prospects, get them signed to a contract before they know what royalties are, and you can really make you know get them working for you. You know, milking for them grunts, growing like. out there more on mountain like until they're <laughs> old and feeble like. So any, I mean, this is a new season. A lot of new players here. A lot of people we've mm-hmm. not seen before. Or Who people we have seen that didn't have chance to give us their full potential. Like. 
yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that young boy, Rocky Maivia, he's a grunty guy. Yeah, he's on the list. Rocky yeah. Maivia, the little blue chipper. When he gets more confident, <laughs> I think he doesn't need the grunts anymore. He's like leaning on the grunts out of fear, I think. Like, sort of, ah, kind of scared. <laughs> Grunting just like his dad. Yeah. Like, so we've got Rocky Maivia, we've got Animal here as well. Yeah. Big Van Vader as Ooh, time goes he's on. He's going to be a grunty fucker. I yeah. hope to see a lot out of him this season. I've got very high hopes. <laughs> And maybe number one with a bullet. This man is almost definitely going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame by the end of the year. Ahmed Johnson. Keep Ooh. an eye and an ear on that boy because he makes a lot of funny noises. I'd say Mick as well, but he's already in the Grunt Hall Th- of Fame. That's it. Mick's already got his own wing. I think I felt bad giving him the Grunt of the Night in episode one of the season. Right. Right? I, I want to try and stay away from the, the heavy hitters like yeah. Mick and Taker. Slow hanging yeah. fruit. You want to exactly. go for the high fruit. I want to find the unearthed talent that we don't know about you yet. You want to find them Pearl River Grunts like. Exactly. You know? Absolutely. We are told immediately that we can expect a somewhat partisan American crowd here tonight in America, so they will not be cheering for Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Instead, the American competitors will bring the fans to their feet. I don't know. Are the Legion no from- fucking shit. It's every yeah. week, mate. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I was going to say are the Legion of Doom from some other country we don't know about. And that like why they're not being cheered at all. Like yeah, they're from Doom, mate. From Chicago, a principality. <laughs> like King is going hardcore with the heart with the uh, with the Heart Foundation here. King's great. I'm lo- I'm loving King here. Like I love him talking about uh, because Owen has the slammies. It means he gets special access to a VIP lounge in every Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, and it's, like, and it's just a gr- it comes out of nowhere, and then no one responds to it. Like it's just like King will come out over. The- I- I'm hoping we're gonna hear a lot more of King one-liners that JR is gonna completely no sell. Yeah. <laughs> he just leaves him hanging out there yeah. like, like randomly King just goes I'm ashamed to be American and no one challenges him like. well he's a king I guess he doesn't care much about the free republic I guess of America <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin arrives mid-match yep. and calls Pat Patterson a silly jackass alright I love this Steve Austin has been like his appearances on the show have increased 20 folds. Mm. Like he is not, either on that Titantron bellowing in the ring with the bemused Vince McMahon or beating up people. He is all over the shows now. Almost to a fault. Like it's getting to the point where I'm like, I love Steve Austin, but yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of like, other guys we can look at now. Like Remember when we were in like 99 and we were like, oh, you know, you know the, the, the real the real thing they did with Austin was that they would save him. You'd have him one time he'd come out in the night, right at the end, right for the main event segment, and they'd pop the ray in, the crowd would go nuts, everyone would go to their feet and think, oh, why don't they book talent like that now? But, like, when Austin is getting over here, like, you know, properly for the first time, they're doing like they did with John Cena and Roman Reigns. Yeah. Everyone. They shove him out there, yeah. down your throats. If you're not a fan of Steve Austin, tough yeah. shit, lads, he's here. The only difference is people are into it this time. Yeah. Maybe this yeah. is why they went so hard with Cena and Roman, because it worked before. Like The British Bulldog and Owen Hart cannot save what is, quite frankly, a bit of a tedious exchange. The crowd aren't into yeah. it, and I kind of fell asleep a bit. Highlight early on, though, is Bulldog doing the Brock Lesnar shuffle as he works over Hawk. Doing a little dance there. Nice. Yeah? good there's lots of chat about hats on commentary there's lots of chat about anything but the match essentially like yeah yeah and uh, jim ross is criticized for having a hat like a farmer which jim ross goes there's nothing wrong with farmers and that's why jerry lawler says is that why you studied pharmacy at, at university and then gets no <laughs> like, 
You know, it's great because it's like, oh no, that joke didn't land. Hang on though, let me get you a proper joke that doesn't land. I've got one I've been saving up here for a while. You said farmers, right? <laughs> Pharmacology was the other one he was going to go with. Well, JR's ba- the reason why he's no selling it is because he's got no banter to fight back with or anything. There's one point where King goes, oh, I think your hat might be a little bit too tight for you, JR. Well, you might be right about that, King. Oh, JR didn't want to wear a hat. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, he thought it made him look like a caricature. And Vince McMahon, good old JR. Black hat, that's what yeah. he wanted. I agree with the decision. I, I thought he was like a point of pride for JR because it became a point there's of pride. There's an episode of Raw where like he nearly gets his hat knocked off and he's like, Oh, I nearly lost my John B. Stetson there. Special hat, limited edition, available now. Like, <laughs> he seemed really like he takes a lot of care of that. John Wayne gave this to me on his deathbed and he said, I ain't never trusted anyone from Asia. <laughs> a lot of that hate flows in this hat. <laughs> it's a very special near dear to me. Well, he thought it made him out to be a caricature, which is funny because Vince and Russo as well, particularly. Russo, by the way, his, his hands are finally all over the product. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there are disastrous raw from South Africa and the disastrous raw from Germany and uh, those international tanked shows led them to rely on Vince Russo a little bit more now. He is writing more of the show. Still is going through Vince McMahon and uh, Jim Cornette as part of that writing team as well. And everyone's got their hands involved in it. But yeah, JR was like, always said that he was told that they didn't like his southern vibe, yet the southern vibe of the hat and the phrase good old JR yeah. was given to him. Yeah, like, they brought it out in him. Like I don't know. Top rope assisted power slam. Cool move. Legion of Doom win. All right. Hey. Okay. Hey, all right. So we're like, hey, short show, short matches. What's that to like, huh? What's we'll be out here like? in half an hour. Like. We'll be back in time for cornflakes. New champs. A very small pop tells me something is up. Mm. Yeah. And then, ha, the youngest referee in the World Wrestling Federation, Boy Kyoto, appears. <laughs> I'm Bush, 26 years old. <laughs> It, it's just great seeing him so young and confident here now. Yeah. Well, you see him now, he's like proper like... Bleh. That's yeah. true, yeah. He looks fucking... Na- he looks like a darts player that's been playing for, <laughs> for way too long. I, I love watching Kyoto work at 10 count these days because he fucking... He gets... Sweat rolling down him like, you know. He's got another armband on him when he goes for the nine because he's got two hands up now like... Oh, boy. So, Kyoto points out, as the youngest and most sexy referee, that there was a legal pin made. The man who was pinned was not correct. What is this pedantry? Well, no, it's good because it's setting a precedent and that means that we'll never have legal man syndrome again yeah. now. Like. So, he's told... I, I, I was confused about Owen Hart's reaction here. What, yeah. what actually happens here now, this following part? So, Owen and Davey have lost the belts. They are no longer the champions. They are leaving and going off by the ramp when they hear the decision has been made to restart the match. Great news. They can get their belts back yeah, now, another surely. another opportunity, yeah. right? Owen and Davey immediately go, Uh-uh, no, we're not getting back in that ring. And they try and leave again. No like, way. I'm not going up in that ring again. And you played the footage of them being thrown slop at first. <laughs> I'll go only if you show that to me. <laughs> Davey's wife will only make love to him if she throws a bucket of slop at him first. <laughs> but as soon as they say that if they don't get back in the ring they will have the belts taken off them and given to LED oh and it just immediately goes give me them belts <laughs> <laughs> so it's like proper reverse psychology to get Owen, Ring- yeah. Owen to do anything and how you can tell the crowd are just kind of not on the same speed as everyone they're like they have get this everyone until the referee counts 
to the number 10. Like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Come on, go, go, go. Howard and Dave, you have to bolt into the ring. <laughs> yeah, Kyoto's on, like, two. And then like, the crowd, like, DQ over. <laughs> so, yeah, they horse it back into the ring to try and make it for the crowd's incredibly fast chant. The match restarts. The heels are in control. Owen does a top rope spot. We miss it because of replay. As soon as you point out to me how frequent this happens, I've been noticing it on Raw and everything. Like, it's constant. They'll be like, let's take another look at that, and you'll miss something vitally important or mm. something really impressive. Like, And I don't like as well when replays are shown to me in this time period and I don't have the assisted... <laughs> You know, I need those like, noises. Where did these graphics come from? It doesn't make sense. It comes out of nowhere then, like, you know? It's just like immediately tasting food in your mouth and eating it first. I don't like it. It's too fast. The announcers try to, you know, get us all into this one. And they're like, Hawk is a house of fire. Small offense by Owen Hart. Hawk is uh, doing a little bit of an offense, getting a little bit of heat up on the match. And, you know, does like one or two punches. And Vincent Bad is like, whoa Hawk, he's like a house of fire. And then Owen Hart does like a snapmare. And King just goes, huh, fireman King. <laughs> Boom. The way, the way he says it is that quiet and just silence yeah. afterwards. <laughs> he Terry know, funks it. Yeah. <laughs> you know if your dad's doing a bad dad joke and he whispers it that he knows it's time to leave the room like, you know. Doomsday device to own. Bret Hart attacks the Legion of Doom. Okay. Okay. L-O-D-Q. What a rush. A bum's rush, that is. <laughs> Monday Night Raw, baby. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. DQ finish that anyone could have seen coming a mile away. We had a moment in the match where we interrupt the match to see Stone Cold arriving yeah. at the arena. Like, straight away, I've got very low hopes for these in-your-house shows because they do feel like big roars to me. The highlight of this match was the post-match interview with the very sweaty, still reigning tag team champions. Doc Hendricks wondering, hey, you guys lucky? I mean, you went out there, you didn't have to jump off a ladder or anything like that. I mean, come <laughs> on, like. And <laughs> Owen is like, lucky? We beat him. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all okay here. And then he's like, oh, rumors out. Stone Cold Steve Austin might be here. <laughs> like, Steve Austin's not here. He's not here. I mean, what are you talking about? He's not here. Uh, now you know what you're talking about. There's a lot of bald guys walking around. It could be anyone. Uh. They didn't see the picture in picture because they were in the ring. Ah, there so they you don't go. know that he is in fact there. Hey, did you guys see my sweet top rope move? I'm sorry, Owen. Nothing of the sort. I do love the line, Brett will defeat Steve Austin just like we defeated the Legion of Doom. <laughs> just maintaining that they won fair and just square. Just lost by, even by DQ, they didn't win. <laughs> it was quite a miserable finish to the bachelor miserable start I just the Legion of Doom I don't know what it is is it that they're more over in like they're super over in Chicago so they never get labelled as being like a WCW southern team but their real history and their real love is from the NWA yeah. I don't know if it's like New York towns just don't like the Legion of Doom because Philly like them as well yeah it's like, it's, it's like so it can't just be the east coast don't like them because Chicago and Philly are right there so I don't know what it is where we're, we're having watched this match going how is it that people don't like the Legion of Doom I don't get it like they did it all they did punches kicks they didn't sell they didn't <laughs> sell they're obviously the strongest it's, all, it's all the WWF fans that are just being like fucking demolition rip off these guys like, <laughs> load of shit anti-LOD fans <laughs> <laughs> backstage Sonny and Brian Pillman whisper sweet nothings into their ears the sexual tension could not be cut with a knife in this one it is so tense like fucking seized up it's rigid so tense. like 
the superstar line. What the fuck is going on that line? Like, so you know? they're on the superstar line yeah. chatting to each other, they're, and you can listen. They're dishing the dirt. Okay. Uh, you know? Normally, you have to tune into Shotgun Saturday Night to hear Brian Pillman's racial slurs and talking about gay people in a derogatory way. But you can find out by rigging up and paying 199.99 per second. <laughs> Ask your parents' permission before you speak to Sonny and Brian Pillman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. Like. Ask your parents' permission before but, you phone the yeah. loose cannon. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, and it was just Brian Pillman. Oh, he's this guy trying to take his dick out and talk to <laughs> you. And uh, yeah, he's a good, good guy. Like. But as well, they say that the lines open up to people in the UK yes can you imagine the fucking charge Honestly. of a UK call to a premium American number yeah, yeah and Sonny and Brian Pillman there these fucking chaotic individuals they're like yeah people in the United Kingdom it's 4am and you're fucking watching WWF ask your parents permission <laughs> yeah right that's what goes your parents there. are dead like. <laughs> coming up next Intercontinental Championship on the line as the Nation of Domination's very own Savio Vega takes on Rocky Maivia. We got a recap of Rocky being whipped in South Africa. That's tasteful. I like to do it in South Africa of all places. Yeah. During this storyline. I mean, I actually didn't get to watch the entire South African Raw episode, so is there anything you want to fill us in on there, Kevin? Like, <laughs> Wait, was there any reason it, pe- it appeared to have been filmed on like some bloke's like hard... like? camcorder I mean I recognise that footage anyway they yeah. were no more in South Africa that's Manchester that's I've yeah. seen that before mayhem like, in Manchester footage baby obviously like. with a special weight enhancing camera I like. thought they like borrowed the ECW street team or something yeah. like, to <laughs> film it all yeah it's been filmed by a child sexual predator this one it's really great like you know but all right, I mean, I can fill you in on some hot shit from uh, from South Africa, if you mm-hmm. want to know. Now, we all knew we were going to South Africa when randomly on an episode of Raw, before we went to South Africa, a South African man came out, dressed in full South African military uniform. And yeah, this is 1997, so Nelson Mandela, the end of apartheid, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, yeah. remember that one. All these yeah. things are on people's uh, thoughts and prayers. See, uh, there's you know, boycotts of South African goods because of, of it. Like... It's a real, like, it was a big contentious issue, you know, and it was very much in the mainstream. Out comes a lad from South Africa. I am the Commandant, and I have been over here observing the World Wrestling Federation, and all of you, you disgusting American fans who cheer on the violence of the likes of O.J. Simpson. Yes, he walks around a free man in your country. You cheer on barbarism. And I am here to expose all of the evils of democracy. And you have too much freedom here. Unlike in South Africa, where we have not enough freedom. It's like, ah, ah, no, no. And you got Jim Ross going, I don't like this guy. I don't know nothing about no commandant. We ain't have no boars yo, down in Oklahoma. And this man's like, well... The views of the Commandant are not necessarily those of the World Wrestling Federation, ladies and gentlemen, but they go to uh, to South Africa for a Raw. <sighs> a Raw which on the network is presented to you as complete a version as possible, because surprisingly, doing a simulcast from Kuwait, America, and South Africa in 1997... It's not going to go well. Yeah, with the team that did, you know, fucking Trailer Park Boys TV that's telling Jim Cornette to go out with Mini Vader and film in a public bathroom <sighs> in fucking Times Square... They haven't really figured it all out. 
There's many, many reasons why the episode of Raw from South Africa is one of the most fucking horrible episodes of Raw of all time. You've got no commentary for half of it, when half the time that you do have commentary, you have to listen to Jim Ross and Honky Tonk Man, who are in South Africa and very cold in the outdoor arena. <laughs> Imagine Honky Tonk Man walking around South, South Africa. Africa. They could have been this big shivering Elvis going, <laughs> Mac Man, when I get back to America, I'm going to have words with you, man. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you saying Elvis every now and then to remind me that's where he's... I really need that sort of sobering moment of like, that's Elvis. Yeah, that's what it's meant to be, like, you know. You also had another one for Honky Tonk Man, particularly this era of Honky Tonk Man, that I think mm. is, a, is a handy simile for, for Honky around the toys. <laughs> if anyone played Clay Fighter on the SNES, there was literally a character that was the Honky Tonk Man. It was this Elvis impersonator. And if you don't know Clay Fighter, it's a, basically a Mortal Kombat game where all the character models are made out of clay and they've all got plasticine-based pun names and stuff. But the, the Elvis impersonator Honky Tonk Man guy is called Blue Suede Goo, which just <laughs> really seems to fit yeah, Honky for does, me somehow. Yeah, Blue Suede <laughs> Goo, like, was Heart of Fucking Darkness. Of course, Blue Suede Goo would get very upset in Clay Fighter 63 and a third when they brought in the big out-of-tainer Earthworm Jim into the territory, like, you know. And Doug Tenapal, if you weren't Team 17's boy toy, <laughs> you'd be gone and you know it. Everybody knows it. A hunky talk man is uh, his appearance on commentary from South Africa is notable for another thing. They're obviously sent over the dream team to fucking South Africa with Honky Tonk mm. and Jim Ross there. Mm. And when they're there, like, they do a segment with the Commandant in the ring where he starts talking about fucking freedom in South Africa. And the crowd are like, drowned out it's post-production kind of thing. right I don't think it went like there's no Commandant for a month after that so yeah. I think they realised maybe this was not a good idea is the Commandant played by someone we know he was played by he was played by a South African wrestler who had done some stuff in like Bill Watts territory right. like he was a retired wrestler who was very like he was in a bunch of movies and stuff afterwards right you know he's in Invictus you know so he's obviously a big wheel in South Africa you know wasn't in uh, District, District 9, 9 though no. like, you know Commandant was warning us about prawns years ago yeah. like, <laughs> you know that's why he brought in the Truth Commission but yeah it didn't go over so hot and everyone's just kind of confused at why they would try and draw attention to stuff like apartheid and what when they obviously had no idea JR and Honky are in South Africa Jim Cornette and Vince McMahon are in America yep. and they can jump in any time to oh, help their no. voices can just pop in on the South African broadcast yes. you mean? Okay. often much louder so Vince McMahon just uh, pops in randomly in the middle of a match he's like oh have you guys um, uh, Nelson Mandela you know I mean oh Nelson Mandela you, have you been uh, invited to any political uh, meetings <laughs> with him or anything and then Honky Tonk Man in what is the oddest moment ever tries to make a joke but hasn't got the requisite knowledge about the thing so he's like oh you know they got a thing over here JR what is it there's something about the uh, people being upset and all about something to do with a, a what you do with your hair or something like that or you know something to do with a haircut or a hairstyle and he's obviously trying to say yeah, like apartheid. a parting right or just randomly out of nowhere Jim Cornette just screams it's apartheid you idiot <laughs> <laughs> which is the first time I found out that he was on commentary so yeah. <laughs> watching this man like in South Africa trying to make it and all the while you're watching Jesse James wrestle under herself it's apartheid you idiot <laughs> little pop-up corner in the corner like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah raw from south africa a spicy one indeed backstage we get i was gonna say kevin kelly with the rock but it's kind it's not though is it it's too primordial it's so weird seeing kevin kelly and the rock doing a promo together 
and Kevin Kelly is the confident, well-spoken yeah. Don't worry, one. kid. Like, we'll get through this. Fucking weird, man. This is so flipped up. Right. Like. Adam Kibolo, as he's known for uh, Kevin Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Who sent you that one? <laughs> yeah. I want names. Don't worry. I got, I got your back, guys. When you it's bring okay. my, my family name into this <laughs> You shit. think I turn over the names of the ranch? You think I do that? I ain't never said him a he motherfucker thinks I'd pit my friends for a candy bar. <laughs> Alright, thank you very much, Vince. You know, uh, Rocky now tonight with the title on the line. We saw exactly what happened when you battled the nation of domination in a non-title situation. But here tonight with the Intercontinental title on the line, it's gotta be a little bit a little bit uneasy for you as you make your way to the ring. Yeah, Kevin, the past is a pass, and tonight is a night, because tonight's where it counts. But I will say this, Kevin, if tonight's the night I lose the title, hey, Lady Luck has been on my side since I've been here in the WWF. And I've accomplished more in six months than I could ever have dreamed of. But at the same time, Savio Vega, to get this title, you're in for one hell of a fight. A very determined young man. So the Rocky Maivia is soaking and nervous. Aww. Yeah, so nervous. I'm so nervous about what my dad's going to say about my match. Oh, God. And it's just really, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm the Intercontinental Champion. I'm way over my head. Have you seen that nation of domination? They're really scary, man. Oh, they look badass, though, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think about everything bad I've ever said about Savio Vega and Savio Vega's random but, membership. So th- that's the thing, because I've, I've only ever... I, this is... Last pay-per-view was the first time I saw Savio Vega. Really? And all I've heard is bad things about Savio Vega in terms of people just saying how shit he is. Mm. I think it's just he's like the avatar for like, oh, you know, this is a period of time in wrestling which we kind of don't like that much. Let's pick her... Like, Mabel, he's using the same yeah. kind of breath as... But Savio's really he's pretty, good. Yeah, he's pretty good. And he looks like a total badass in the yeah. nation. Yeah. He looks more fitting in the nation than, like, fucking Crush does. Looks more fitting in the nation than he did in the Brawl for All. Like. Oh, Jesus Christ. The highlight of this interview is the little face Kevin Kelly makes at the end. This <laughs> <laughs> little look straight at the camera, like... <laughs> there he is. What do we do now? <laughs> there you are now. <laughs> <laughs> <Lads>. <laughs> it's just so funny. He's like a little smile and a nod, like, you know? There we go. <laughs> It's like you spotted your dad at sports day. <laughs> yes! <laughs> exactly what it is. He took someone to distract you from the egg and spoon race. <laughs> or as we had in my school, the egg and potato race, because we weren't trusted with eggs on the fucking field. Egg and potato yeah. race? How does that work? You balance a potato oh, on an egg? Oh, you drop your potato, you got to pick it up again. Like. Oh, so it's a potato and spoon race. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you're you're balancing just... an egg on a potato. <laughs> That's <laughs> way more impossible. <laughs> Ireland's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you had some sort of like deconstructed frittata race. What is that? Like, <laughs> you know, we had potato and spoon race. Where it's a, oh no, you dropped your potato. Now it's cracked open, and the potato yolk has went everywhere. Like, you know, very very wrong. I would say Kevin Kelly here looks more confident in going to the ring and facing Savio Vega for a yeah. than The Rock does. He could take him. The Rock gives him that look like, you, you sure you don't want to go instead? Because you'd be a great intercontinental champion. Yeah. My dad love you. Aww. <laughs> the fucking Gaelic-ass font for, for Rocky Maivia here. <laughs> so weird. He's known in Irish, on rock. <laughs> <laughs> He's not an actual rock, man. So, yeah, I'm assuming because he's taken name. Farouk out here with the nation. Bin bag Farouk. He just ambles out in that fucking bin bag outfit of his. <laughs> like. like, me and Adam, because of the Warzone gamesmanship that we did on Patreon, have got 
like sleepy Farouk. That's that's the Farouk in my head now. Yeah. Hey, not, in, not intense Farouk. Not intense no. Farouk. Not Farouk talking about like how Ahmed Johnson is the dumbest coloured boy he'd ever seen or you know, not hurtful Farouk. Not even Farouk from the APA. Not even fun loving cigar smoking Farouk. Not even damn Ron Simmons no, Farouk. We've got a man going, Hey man, it's the same thing. And when he comes out with his arm in a sling in the comfiest looking clothes <laughs> ever, like I'm gonna wear leather, I'm gonna wear the loosest leather yeah. available, like Looks fucking lovely. I want to sit on him. He's falling asleep, like. <laughs> Joining us on commentary tonight is Mr. Farouk. Mr. Farouk. Mr. Farouk. Give him a headset that doesn't work. Make sure we keep the camera nice and tight on him so you can see him not talking. Yeah. Like. And, uh, struggle yeah. light. and we come with our technical difficulties, which are then resolved, which in 1997 means Jim Ross gives him his headset instead. Farouk's like, I'm the leader of the nation. I can't even get a microphone that works. And Vince is literally like, well... JR just gave you his, and that was very nice of him. <laughs> now, Ron. Now, say that. thank you, Mr. Farouk. <laughs> it's the same damn thing. Everyone being nice and always wanting to share. <laughs> so, Farouk made a challenge to Ahmed Johnson when he was in South Africa. And this is this is a challenge which will not be answered or heard from until our next episode, yep. which is a cold day in hell. But the challenge for it is for the... Is it the complete ab- abolition or the dismantlement? What is the, There's a very specific phrase they use. They're going to say the nation will be abolished. Abolished. Yeah. So they're going to abolish the nation of domination. If Ahmed can... Beat Farouk, Savio Vega and Crush in every... All at once. In a gauntlet match. In a match. gauntlet match. Yeah. And Ahmed is like, What do you expect me to do? <laughs> I've been in a gang war before! I'm, I'm in my zone now! I'm so pissed! Oh. His voice gets so high! I, I'm coming to get you! <laughs> Sounds like you should be shouting on, about Sonic the Hedgehog on YouTube. Like, <laughs> when will you learn? And your actions have consequences! <laughs> it's totally the same energy that Ahmed has. Oh man, I could talk about my love of Ahmed for fucking for years. So again, going back to this being a long Monday Night Raw, we've now got Farouk coming out on commentary to spend this entire match yeah. just talking about the next pay-per-view that they're yeah. setting up for. Where like. Ahmed is obviously there. He's going to, Ahmed's going to want to abolish the nation. That nation, He wants to abolish the nation. That's the verbiage. Farouk does say around five times, though, that I will relinquish the nation. And Vince McTam every time is like, uh, you mean abolish the nation, of course. Yeah, whatever, man. Like, <laughs> relinquish the nation, abolish the nation. Anyway, we're beating around the bush here. Savio Vega cannot bring this kid to a great match. No. It is some slow-ass action. It, it's weird as well, because the the commentary is being very much put at the forefront. Is What what the purpose of this is for Farouk to speak. Mr. And, Farouk has to speak. And, and to put over the nation. And it's weird that this is done during a rock match. And the mm-hmm. Intercontinental Champion But the, well. that a rock match is secondary yep. to a story is beyond me. I know obviously he's not the rock yet, but just seeing the rock there and then no one really caring because we've got to talk about something else. It's really alien. He's just there for you to look at like while you're listening to the more important commentary. Like It's weird with like, Triple H as well as another one where it's yeah. like, he's in the ring and they talk about other stuff yeah. not to do with him. And I'm like, but what about Triple H? That's who we're meant to find out about, right? Or what you get on Raw as well a lot of the time, which is really surprising, is already in the ring, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and you don't oh. even get to see his entrance. Unbelievable. Like. Good guy Vince really getting us into this one. Whoa! What about that sportsmanship? 
Oh my goodness! Unbelievable! So lame as a oh, baby face. Man. Vince McMahon's top five moments of sportsmanship. Whoa! He looked at him right in the kisser and said, Good job! Whoa! <laughs> There is constant references to abonics and hooked on abonics. Oh, it's right. hard to find out about this, right? I, mean, I don't know what this is. I mean, you know, there was an episode of South Park that was hooked on monkey phonics. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, as a kid, I was like, I'm A, I don't understand. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Cartman is my favourite. Like, <laughs> you know, me and Michael Cole didn't know any better. Yeah. Like, you know? I think it's like in California, there was like a school board somewhere where they were like, they said, they voted to say that the actual language of African-American children in the system was abonics, which was different to English. Where it's like, if you're speaking to a black child, you might want to say, let me ask you a question. Uh, you may not know what that means, but here's what it means. And it was treating them like they had a different, like, lower language. Yeah, which they're is from so- a different country. Like, Yeah, and this is like on the same show where we're talking about apartheid, or at least trying to get some fucking wordplay out of it. And It was sh- never about race. <laughs> <laughs> it was never about race. Well, you know what? Big Show had some things to say about this in a, in a network documentary, I'm sure. He'll set my right... I'm sure the WWE's heart yeah. was in the right place, right? Absolutely. It's just like anything remotely controversial. It's like they have not realised that they can make the controversy. Yeah. They're like the little kid who's like kind of sees the naughty kid in school and they're hanging around with them. Yeah. And then they become the real shit next year. Like in 98, they're fucking insufferable. But now they're like, oh, did you see that thing they did on TV? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Did you see the latest episode of Silk Stockings? That, oh, man. Like, that they're stirring the pot. Oh, and yeah. they And they don't realise how powerful they are. Mm. They don't realise how much sway they have and how much attention they do actually have. Where they, they, you know, with with great power comes great responsibility, yeah. as Uncle Ben once wisely said. And it's then they're not using their power responsibly here. I just think that like the fact that the nation it starts well before we started mm. and yeah. it finishes. Well, after I think it's tweaked so many times where they kind of you know they put in Owen Hart and they, mm. the Rock's the leader. I, I don't, rem- I don't so remember much. it being anything like this though from no, season one. It wasn't. It, it generally in nineteen ninety eight. It didn't feel like it was about race at all. No, though. until DX blacked up and yeah. they made it about race. Then they yeah. made it about race. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just I think because they pivoted it away and then it made people kind of go, oh, well, the nation wasn't about that, but it was for so long. Mm. You just think about the long term kind of. You know, there's so much times where it's something we watched when we were kids or whatever, and it's like lodged in your brain. It's like, I think this about this wrestler. Mm-hmm. And then it's only when you really think about it, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, that's pretty wrong of me to assume that. I just thought that when I was a kid because they told it to me. You're watching this as a fan, and they have constant fucking type of bonics and OJ and the fucking language in the nation feuds. I think there's a lot of like long term impact that's maybe not recognized. Definitely. Why I mean, can't black wrestlers get over? Well, you fucking made it very hard for them with this, you know? They made the fan base as toxic as it is mm. by doing stuff like this and the treatment of women. Like, it's, it's, you can see like the, the long lasting impact. Why these can't kind of we buy have, women like... unless we're pushing them as being hot and stuff? Well, you've spent fucking 10 10 years making us yeah. buy it a certain way. You conditioned like. everyone. Like. Savio works overtime to try and make this match worthwhile. There's some cells from Savio in this which are borderline magic. Like. Mm. There's one cell where all Rocky does is I think he bops his head into the turnbuckle and Savio looks like he's been slammed by an invisible Randy Orton. Like He literally goes like, whoa! Like completely horizontal onto the mat. Like. Well actually what happened was that Savio and Rocky Maivia were meant to have a best of three series and then Rocky Maivia thought it was only good if they had one <laughs> uh, you know right beforehand 
<laughs> Rocky makes his comeback and then we get to see it I can't believe it he does it here it only gets the kick out but obviously it would go on to be one of the Rock's most signature world renowned moves I can't believe the move that would go on to be known as the Uranagi. There it is. is. There it is, man, right there. Primordial. Primordial. Crush interferes, hits the heart punch on the rock. Cool move. I'm going to punch you in your heart so you can't go. That's like, pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> Very kill bill. Yeah. <laughs> we got a count out victory. Savio is pissed. Some dissent teased here in the nation, mm-hmm. which will be teased again next, next pay per view. Yeah, yeah. Again and again. So, yeah, they cost Savio the belt, like well, the opportunity to get the belt, and that's two championship matches that have ended in a non-finish now. Now, I kind of like sometimes when you have the miscommunication in a group as large as this, it's going to happen, and at least the the minds to kind of figure out like why did this happen, all that. But of course, Jim Ross pops on commentary to go crush there at the end of the match with the um, stupid maneuvering. <laughs> Well done, mate. All right. Good save. Nation of Domination gang up and beat their future leader, The Rock. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Wait until he comes back to Night's Watch. You're going to be feeling real fucking bad about that. <laughs> and who comes out? The big Sriracha man himself. Yeah. The reddest man in the room tonight. It's Ahmed Johnson flailing around. Got a nice big red tracksuit on him. And he's got a big old two by four. Yeah. That's, big bit of wood. That's his, like, his weapon yeah it's his Ahmed, gimmick isn't yeah. it yeah and it's, it's really sad because when you see people have to work it like you know like they did an angle with him where he like beat the shit out of the sultan with the 2 by 4 and you can see him go I'm sorry man and he's like mm, yeah hit me on my shoulder man oh, that sucks so good <laughs> I swear I've heard a thing about uh, there comes a point where the office are like okay we're going to take this away from you now because you've hurt too many people <laughs> I'll like... have your big piece of wood but... <laughs> sorry who saw Ahmed Johnson fucking diving head first yeah let's give him he's walking hard let's let him carry a big stick as well that can only work out fucking well one little thing we missed there about Farouk being on commentary, and I think this is worth bringing up because it's verbiage I've noticed used on Raw and stuff as well. When talking about his feud with Ahmed, he says, either I beat him to death or he beats me to death. Oh my God, and you're there, right. There is a lot of this sort of just being very cavalier. Like Undertaker's really bad for it as well, like saying that he is going to kill his opponent or his They're opponent will die. nonchalant. Like, like, very blasé. There is a like, part after like when the Hart Foundation are trying to get Steve Austin around this time and you have like Brett and Owen walking in and they're like, well, what are you going to do when you find Steve Austin? Like, oh, we're going to kill him. Yeah. And then yeah. Owen's like, yeah, I'm going to kill him kill him dead and there's no hesitation or there's no commentators being like oh of course you mean in a manner of speaking or anything it's just straight up they're gonna kill each other yeah. like. so no blood but we can say kill and you're your death like takers always like your death this Sunday yeah literally your impending death like is that a thing that networks maybe just changed because I know like ECW talked about when they went on the network Haven was like we were told we couldn't say haste you can't say you know feud war <laughs> Everyone's complaining about the Viking experience in 2019. Well, you can't use the word war on it's, TV it, like that, it's, it's the same when, when Raw or a pay-per-view was shown in Germany and the German commentators, they aren't allowed to make any references to violence on television. That's... So their commentary is that all they, they, have to, they can't call moves I... on the German commentary. They can't make any reference to the fact that they're fighting we they just tell have to stories they have to just they just have to talk wow also as well in Germany if you play Half-Life everything like turns into a robot or has green blood at the end it's like you know <laughs> Samurai Jack or something like, yeah. it's too upsetting otherwise <laughs> so Ahmed yeah he saves the rock he kind of tries to get the crowd going and he just kind of his hand just flails yeah. around a little bit leads the crowd in a roaring chant of you're going down 
And then he says he's going to respond to the challenge. And I have no problem at taking on the illegal immigrants, the convicts, and your black ass. Well then, that's the nation of domination. It's not about up. race. Your black ass. It's, it's so weird seeing a black man say your black ass to another black man, knowing that it was definitely a white man that it's, wrote it. Yes, like, it's definitely Vince Russo. Yeah. Did you see Pulp Fiction? <laughs> There's like two black guys in it. I'm going to write all this down. Vince right. Russo is the Tarantino with wrestling. You're so right. Yeah. yeah. They both like both worked in video shops. Like yeah. replace they, feet with poles. Yeah. I'd say throwing a little Susan of Kevin Smith as well, maybe. Yeah. Like because Tarantino's still quite acclaimed, whereas Kevin Smith kind of went off a little bit, yeah. like Russo. Unfortunately, so. Vince McMahon filtered out all the beating off finishes. And then Ahmed's like, "You think I must be crazy?" I'm crazy, I accept your challenge! <laughs> also, Ahmed Johnson and The Rock share a very tense hug. Yeah. He did not want to be hooked. And then Ahmed picks up his 2 by 4 to like do a pose there and then just throws it back down again like, nah. I'm out of here. <laughs> you shit, you know what? We've got Ahmed Johnson doing a plug for this shit. We need to reuse that clip, actually. At the start of the episode, yeah. right now. Right here on the pod. <laughs> Alright, brothers. And sisters, you guys are listening to the Attitude Era podcast. One of the best shows you will ever be able to check out. This is your boy, Ahmed Johnson from the WWF, telling you, check it out before I knock you out. I'm out of here. Do you remember that, Billy? Yeah, it was I like, do. It was like the first one we ever had. Ahmed wasn't even on the show at that yeah. point. It was like, you're listening to the... He was like falling asleep. <laughs> you're listening to the Attitude Era podcast. Check it out or I'll knock you out. I'm out of here. <laughs> you want to get hardcore. You want to do it on the XMV podcast. AEP. Fuck. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> Never miss a fucking promo. It's speaking of, uh, of of big time celebrities coming to, to say hi and stuff to us, we're very pleased that Al Snow was in our mentions. Yeah. Yes! At the request of a fan who hired Mr. Snow to badger us into doing more tough enough. <laughs> it's like, you know what? It's not going to lie because... I've had this done before. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Brian Zane from Wrestling with Regret, a couple of years ago, he was doing a uh, he's doing a convention, and Dilo Brand was in the table beside him, <sighs> and recorded a little bit. It was initially Dilo saying, "You've you know, I've heard you've been a big fan. You've talked about my career so much. I want to say I'm really, really thankful. You know, a lot of people gave me a lot of shit for doing a how to wrestling episode yeah. about Dilo, but he was like, I'm really appreciate that you know, you've paid attention to my career and followed it close. And he goes, Hey, you better recognize a little head wobble. I was like, oh. <laughs> Looking at the real deal now. Yeah, and then Alice Snow was like, Yeah, season two's good, but you might want to do season three, but you will be doing season four as well, of course. And uh, I've mapped out the episode schedule here. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we will be doing. Yeah, Al uh, wants us to, so we've got it. And we will be doing it the way he wants it to be done. Naturally. Right? So we're in the uh, social media zone, which uh, I believe is just Ken Shamrock in front of an AOL Time Warner banner going, Dang! Open mouth. <laughs> Seriously! <laughs> right, WrestleMania 13, world's most dangerous man, pulling Bret Hart off Steve yeah. Austin, going, Come on, fight me! Next pay-per-view, him, Vader, no holes barred. In between, how do I log on to Encarta? They, 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 didn't have, uh, they didn't have computers in that hollowed-out car he used to live in. Oh, the oh like. <laughs> Ain't no AOL in the lion's den, Billy. But... Oh, speaking of social media, <laughs> this is social media. <laughs> this is social media. Uh, AOL online is totally social it's, media. It is social media. I got recently followed this week by somebody from the Attitude Era, season one. 
Uh, a wrestler or a, a personality uh, like? Uh, they almost definitely wrestled, but Ooh. they were probably more a personality vote than anything else. But someone we talked about on the but podcast. But someone we have talked about season one. Mm. Oh, can we have a guess? Yes, you, you can have a guess. Would you, would you like any clues at all? I, I would like one clue, I think. I think one one icebreaker clue. So they were maybe had, of what we discussed on the show, three or four appearances. Okay. Mm. Tiger Alley Singh. No. Oh. No, it's based on was what I he said. Was I though? N- no. Based on what he said, it's going to be someone that didn't wrestle when we saw them, I think. Like, well, Tiger that... did. He wrestled like two they or three times. They, they, were, they so. were central to a mid-card feud. Is it Ryan Shamrock? It is Ryan Shamrock. It's Ryan Shamrock! I, <laughs> I, am, I have, as of recently, what? I have now been followed by Alicia Webb, who played... Ryan Shamrock, <laughs> aka Ryan Shamrock. She so got it in her bio because, like, on Twitter now, it like it doesn't just say, say this person followed you. It gives you their bio. So I was like, who's this who's followed me? Ryan Shamrock. So I am now for best friends with Ryan Shamrock. <laughs> just so you guys know. Just don't get too close. Like Ken did was told to stop dating her because it was <laughs> weird for the fans. It's his sister. <laughs> One, don't break kayfabe. Two, when you break kayfabe, don't do it in a weird incesty way. Like. I'm very impressed that you managed to guess that so oh, quick. But yeah, Ryan Shamrock. Shamrock. But out of nowhere, so like just so she must have listened to season one. Yeah, she's gone back. And... But she's not followed either of you guys. Well, she she's... may have, and it just slipped through the well, cracks. Yeah, possibly. maybe. We're not big stars like you, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the baddest man on the planet, like, so. <laughs> I mean, I got Ryback following, but I don't want to advertise that, like, you know. I'm, I'm trying to think of a way we can utilise this, and maybe get her to do a, an intro to the we show. We probably could. <laughs> I'm Ryan Shamrock, <laughs> star <laughs> of the ad. I'm just <laughs> saying, though, because Terry Runnels saw your special video. She did, she liked it as well. We like. got two thirds of PMS right here. We got yeah. PM. You know, oh I'm just saying. Then, you know, I want some mess. And then the other person we know is aware of us is Paul Ellering because he saw the, the one of yep. the first videos you made. His daughter saw yep. it right and yep. presumably passed it on to him. Uncle Taz was not too happy about the yep. Simpsons video. There's, we're on the radar of a few wrestlers now. Yeah. I, I don't right. want to be on the radar any more than that, though. <laughs> you know, that now we're getting across the line here. Depends like. on the wrestler. Yeah. Like, Mark Miro, maybe we'll have some more chats with him down the line. Like, maybe, maybe even more wilds? Billy Gunn, stay away. Yeah. <laughs> don't come near us. <laughs> not today. So yeah, there's Ken Shamrock on the World Wide Web setting up his Habba Hotel so he can challenge Mike Tyson or whatever the fuck it is he's going to do. Like, you know, Mike Tyson, you're a bully. And I, I don't like bullies. I've been fighting I've been fighting bullies all my life. So I'm going to ask you, Mike Tyson, even though you're not a wrestler, to challenge, to come and to... I'm, I'm challenging you, Mike Tyson. So you think about that. And Mike Tyson's on AOL, so he's not going to get it, though, is he? Yeah, like, no, you know, no response. You know that he's a Bebo man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Maybe even more online? The unwild man, Mark Merrill, ladies and gentlemen, with the lovely, vivacious Sable. Whoa, hey there. Wow, wow. Woo. Now, a little bit of a resentment breeding here between the, you know, M double and S. You know? Yeah, already. Already, because Sable, you know, this is going to be my year. As soon as I defeat the ghost of Bruce Lee, <laughs> nothing will stop me now. The ghost appeared in my garage, and instead of inspiring me like in No Retreat, No Surrender, it enraged me once I start my blood feud with Bruce Lee. <laughs> yes, that bloodline. <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching Jojo now. Got bloodlines on yeah. the brain, like, you know. This is going to carry on, like, the, the son of Lesnar and Rita Mero must fight the, the son of Bruce Lee. 
So yeah, it's going to be her year. And uh, Mark Merrow, oh, you got your you got your news there, Mark? Have you? Have we got your big news? My knees, fan. I'll be back in four months. <laughs> <laughs> Define fine. <laughs> yeah. That just makes it sound like you're healthy and they've got nothing for you. Yeah, like. yeah fine. Like, oh, what's wrong? He's, he's got a Tanya Harding in there. He's coming out like, I'm back, baby. Bang. <laughs> oh, no, Vince. Mark Merrow's uh, injured again. What will we do? Like, so, yeah, Mark Merrow. Ken, Doc Hendricks, there they are now. Also, the setting for this interview, we are filming this backstage. <laughs> outside the gents. Outside the gents' toilets. like Awful. Oh, wait, is this when... <laughs> yeah. 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 So, we're outside the gents' toilets, which is very odd, like, as a, as a setting generally, like, not a great place. Whom emerges from these toilets? Well, it's who goes in. We see Stone Cold go in ah, first. Yeah. I gotta rock a piss. <laughs> Just fixing for a shit. Just like. during Mark Miro talking, you can hear a really big ah in the background. Hey man, well dig this. If you like pissing as much as me, sign up to piss box. We'll send you four different taps of urine in the mail. <laughs> so yeah, Austin's in there cussing loudly, pissing loudly, ruins Mark Miro's promo about like how you know he's gonna get back to his. Uh, Go back in summer is when we're going to see Mark Merrill. Your wild summer. I mean, a very wild summer. Owen and the Bulldog emerge with, like, curtain poles or something? Mm. They literally do the most stereotypical, notice the camera, and scurry away like villains. Not not since Hawk showing up in Vader's promo. (laughs) I was going to say Pat Patterson, but he shows up all the time backstage, doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he don't care. He no-sells it. Yeah, there's no sound like that cigarette behind his ear is no sound at all like... This is a wild night, folks, because up next, we have got, finally, the big reveal. He said he wanted to be clones. The results are in. Honky Tonk, you are the father. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, he's given birth to Rockabilly. Oh. Yeah. This is like an episode of The Twilight Zone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Submitted for your approval, Billy Gunn. I got nothing else. Well, See like, ya. <laughs> not just not just Billy, but Road Dog. Yeah. Jesse James Double coming J. out as a country singer yeah. and commentary are calling him Double J. Yeah. Half a year later, this exact same gimmick will be given to someone else. Do you know why then we've got here? Because I th- I felt exactly the same Such way. A fucking I, I was like, this is very confusing. Why are they doing the double J gimmick with this guy first? Yeah. They're not. They've already done the double J gimmick yeah. with Jeff Jarrett at this point. So Jarrett came in originally like way like a couple of years back, like ninety three, ninety four type yeah. time. So and he was doing it back then. He yes. was double J, ain't I great with the whole this country music, you know, the awful fucking ring gear, yeah. like sort of like a pedophile in space, like yep. you know, the real fucking bad luck. And he had the road dog Jesse James was known as the roadie. And they were going to do an angle where this song, With My Baby Tonight, like, you know... The one uh, that Road Dog sings. Fucking... I hate how much it's stuck in my my head. It's so catchy. You know why it is? It's because every time he doesn't come out and go, I sit all day looking hard on the road. No, instead we go... I don't know who you are. And what happens is you might go, no, that's wrong. 
and then you sing it to yourself to correct him. And mm. then it's in your head all week. Yeah. I have been walking around singing that fucking song every goddamn day. And I don't want to. And you live with Joe. You get to be alone with your baby every night. I so know. it's not that. Like. I woke up with my baby today. Like, you know, I don't have to fucking sing about cocks. Like. So, yeah, they did the thing where Double J Jeff Jarrett released this song as the country singer and yeah. he was doing a Millie Vanilli that was going to be the big reveal that the roadie was the actual was the singer because Jesse James has got a set of pipes on him admittedly not when he's running out for his big match where he's nervous with a small child on his arm yeah. that is not a great singing environment you don't go into American Idol with a small child and go and the man and then wrestle you know so before they could do the big reveal Double J and the road dog both left the company and went to WCW <laughs> Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, they both left. (laughs) And then Jesse James came back through the supplicant store after a main eventing in USWA. (laughs) Can I be with my baby tonight? Yeah, all right. And they just did a a gimmick where it's like, hey, he's back. And also, he was the singer of that song, not Jeff Jarrett, who we won't mention because he's not in the company. Mm, But now he's called The Real Double J. And that is why his name is spelled Jesse James. J-A-N-M-E-S. It's meant to be a shot at Jarrett with the double lettering. So the J-A-double-M-E-S. E-double-S. Ha-ha. Or double-O. Double-A. Double-B. That's so convoluted. It is. I just want to be with my fucking baby tonight after this shit. And then, like, Jeff's, like, a couple of months from coming back. Yeah, he, he won't be too long until he's with the company again, and presumably we'll have to try and clean all this up. Like, well, you see, because you've got him here now, right? And he was he was there. He was the singer. You know, he could sing, he could dance, a little bit of everything. Honky Tonk wants to get cloned, so Honky goes straight up to Double J, and he's like, "I want you to be my my clone." And he's like, "No, I don't want to be anything to do with Honky Tonk Man. Absolutely not. You're you're poison. You're a snake man." And also, he went up to Billy Gunn and said, hey, "Billy Gunn, you can come with me all the way to the top with the Honky Tonk Man. We can get Paula. We can finally put her in your place." <laughs> You can make all sorts of paydays bigger than nan nanny nan. You know, he was telling the world and Billy Gunn said no and Billy Gunn popped him in the mouth like Yeah. And then he turned him on. The best thing about this is that in his quest to have this, uh, you know, to find a, a, a protege, Honky Tonk Man's precious heirloom, his family guitar, got smashed over his head by the road dog. And then he came out the next week with, it's so funny, this is why Honky is like such a fucking performer. He comes out with the neck of the guitar with a see-through bin bag sellotape to it with the remnants of the guitar <laughs> in it. And he still does the Honky <laughs> Now, further to Honky Tonk Man on commentary, <laughs> noted after South Africa, he's never on commentary again. <laughs> yeah. But you never we were like, what the fuck was going on with him at WrestleMania 13? Yeah. Well, it turns out Honky addressed this in a show interview. They, oh. They told me to like my intensity, man. They said, you go out there, you, you kind of put a lot of fire underneath them. So I went out, man, I got all that shit over. I was fucking great, man. JR didn't know what to do. They were scared, man. They were scared about me taking their job. And I came back and said, I loved your intensity, man. And then for some reason, two weeks later, I was off commentary. I don't get it. Like, they said I was great. (laughs) Well, they probably told fucking Buff Bagwell he was great when they fired him too. (laughs) Honky Tonk Man introduces his clone, who was a man who's already rejected him. And due to the kind of embarrassing nature of this, I think like that's why he's got this kind of sad song. (laughs) 
He looks so unsure of the gimmick as well. Like he's been told to do this. He keeps looking at Honky like, You're the honky tonk man, like, yep, this gimmick works. <laughs> what the fuck are you? He he, call, he calls Jesse James a goof. Which is probably the nicest thing the ho- that Honky has ever called anybody. Oh, I'm surprised we get any, any nicest from him here, Billy. Sin- seeing as he is symbiote Honky Tonk Man with his black and white gear here. Like, All dark sided. He's just there in the church. God, I beg you, please kill Paula. <laughs> All the black slime fell on him, didn't it? Like, you know? Paula. Hmm. <laughs> So did you catch his reasoning for why? Because JR is, I think it's JR anyway, is straight on him like, yo, Billy Gunn already attacked you and he said no. So why are you guys together now? Did you pick up on why? Well, he said he, he liked his like the, his fire and his passion. Mm-hmm. But then it didn't really go on to say why Billy then said yes. Well, it's because the honky tonk man made Billy Gunn an offer he can't refuse. And you know what that means, Jim Ross. That's that. I think he's going to wake up in the morning with, like, Barkun's head there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Honky Tonk Man, uh, with the parlance of the times. My protege's going to break that punk's neck! Well then, alright. So, uh, yeah, Rockabilly. With all the charisma and grit of fucking Ronan Keaton past Boyzone's Prime there. <laughs> <laughs> Big zoom in on the girly man side of the front row. Like, yeah. Girly man. Choir boys. The fucking theme, though, like, Jesus Christ. Rockabilly theme. Rockabilly theme. Mm. And the bad thing is, I've got this stuck in my head as well. Yeah. So I'm literally going around the house going, Too slow, rockabilly, and all that. Oh, God, Kevin. I need a full-on mashup. Oh, no, God. This is what would have happened if they teamed up earlier. Like, you would have got that, like, you know. Being with my baby tonight is all I ever knew. But uh, I thought, I'd get it out of my head. i sit down, pop it on YouTube, listen to it a few times and go, there, it has no power over you anymore, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Move on with your life. The only version of it is because they replaced it with a better, more properly sounded out one. This is kind of a demo-y version we get here, which means you only have a live rip on uh... YouTube. The live rip of which is like, I'll get down here and I give a So it's like Jerry Lawler just in there. Now it's stuck in my head every single time and I need to get through this match quickly now JR is like what the fuck is this shit <laughs> Vince literally says I don't understand what this is <laughs> the crowd not into Gene Wars 97 here tonight folks when you say Gene Wars are you talking denim or are you talking like genetics with the whole <laughs> it's an old clone thing yeah, honestly it, if they just got anyone and like made them like come out in like a twisted honky tonk man suit and like the hair all maybe blood coming out of their eyes like, <laughs> like an actual failed experiment to be like I honky tonk man now <laughs> are you telling me that the symbiote is rejecting Billy Gunn as a toast like just thrashing about here like it doesn't want him famous sir and he does an Elvis dance yeah so he's he is Elvis well, that's most of this match is like Billy Gunn does a move and then he does the, the honky tonk dance and then Road Dog will do a move and he'll do his little strut or his little dance. And having these two gimmicks in the same company at the same time is so fucking baffling to me. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's so strange. Like, when you have a kind of a shaky gimmick, you, you can kind of get away with it when you have it against something very different. Like, put Jesse James in there with the Sultan or something. Yeah. But you have the two very similar gimmicks. And this is like, you're talking and trying to be 
on the fucking beating heart of modern culture with your constant references to fucking OJ and number one with a bullet and ebonics and all this fucking shit. And you've got a Grease character, I think. Yeah. Accompanied it's by c- Elvis. It's country versus rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, taking on well. Garth Brooks, like, fucking hell. Well, Quadrophenia, it ain't like, you know. Look at rock, blee. Enough to make a blind man see everything you wish you had. Well, Honky, give it all to me. On occasion, my wrestling makes audiences yawn. I got it all. Oh. <laughs> I got it all. Literally, all his themes are good except this. <laughs> Billy and Chuck, the Ass Man, like they're all great except fucking Rockabilly. This one's got all the fucking nervous energy and pomp and circumstance mm. of a frightened Chihuahua, like being thrown into an unfamiliar room for the first time. Hope when Bill wins, him and Honky Tonk Man get into a car and fly off into the sky. <laughs> For fuck's sake, Kevin. <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Was it fucking 999? <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Did he run out of ribs? Aha, aha. Comedy boing boing selling from Rockabilly here. Yeah. I think a rocker is his first name and Billy is his second name. Is that his life? Mm. If anyone calls you Rocker Billy Kebo, I'll fight him for you. <laughs> <laughs> Shake, Rattle and Roll by Jesse James, which is not a thing. A lot of strut-based offers from uh, Jesse here. Yeah. You know, a lot of dancing around. Bill runs out of dance moves and gets rolled up. Jesse James wins. Fucking... What? This is a new character. He loses his yeah. first match. He does. Honky Tonk Man attempts to hit him with a very tiny guitar. I, I I would like to now christen the guitar hit. Please. Saying you, you've been guitared and feathered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, mean, I agree, but only if you say it like, you've been guitared and feathered, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking toilet. <laughs> like the fact that you can hear this little guitar popping against yeah. the, t- the soft turnbuckle. Like, that's how silent it is. You can hear the softest sound you can make in a wrestling rig with these two items. Oh my god, this was so fucking bad. It's just weird. And these guys go on, they wrestle each other, like, 20 other times. Like, just keep, <sighs> they keep wrestling each other. And, like, Honky Tonk keeps costing him matches. I don't know why they have them as a pairing at all. How, how long is it until the New Age Outlaws form? It's a while. It's like a few more months to go, at least. I think by the time we start, like, by WrestleMania next year, I think they'd only just formed when I mean, we started they're the podcast. For a few, they, they have already are tie champs for a bit before then. Like, they oh, okay. did form in late 97. Okay. Like, yeah, so it is... A while to go, yes. Well, it's a proper Seamus and Cesaro situation where you're rolling your eyes now, but by, by the time we get to November, you're going to be chanting, let them fight at the screen. Yeah. Like, well, they're separating these two men. Like. You're rolling your eyes now, but wait a year, and then you'll be thinking back to a time when you were a kid when you wouldn't have rolled your eyes, but now you will roll your eyes, but in a different way. I think that's what's going to happen with the New Age Outlaws. Because I'm going to be like, ah, oh, don't worry, though, because it'll be great, because we know that the New Age Outlaws now is not really as great as it's constantly made out nope. to be. Yeah. This is I this is like a car crash I feel I can stop. You know, I, I need I feel like the cat from that you remember that TV show where the cat brought on tomorrow's newspaper? And you have to stop it like Vaguely, you yeah. Know, <laughs> early edition or whatever it is. Yeah. The cat's in the room, lads. He's he's <laughs> dropped it down there and he's kinda nodding at it like we need to do something. <laughs> Backstage, Doc Hendricks. Whoa man! Look at this! You heard it here first! The greatest, coolest thing to have on your door. It is the Undertaker poster. Every cool kid's gonna spend $35.99 to get a poster put on the door. It's like proper JML advert now yeah. in the middle of this pay-per-view. 
If there was one reason I was going to tell you to watch Raw, Billy, it would be just so you can see the so satisfying, cathartic mistreatment of Doc Hendricks. <laughs> yeah. All he does is he gets fucking wheeled out to sell shit. He's always yeah. Hey man, look at this denim jacket I got here! I'm hanging out with the boys over here wearing a denim jacket! <laughs> and it's so embarrassing, and it feels so fucking good to see him yeah. in that My position. My other favourite one he has to do is narrate Sonny, where it's like, and here's Sonny, uh, look at her, now she's wearing, and I'm sounding like Vince McMahon. Man suddenly, because suddenly is wearing this Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt. And there's nothing sexier than the Texas rattlesnake. Ugh. He's like an old genie that's been put in a lamp, like a, a chaotic genie. He's like, back in the lamp, genie, sell denim jackets and big posters. <laughs> Can I say as well, this poster is terrifying. <laughs> imagine, yes. imagine waking up in the middle of the night oh. and then that's there looking at you. Like, Oh my God. Doc, re- this is impressive how much he sweats in this 10 second spot. Like, mm. if he's taken bumps before this, I don't know. Like, he's fucking really sweating bullets. Backstage, Kevin Kelly, Gorilla Monsoon, and a towel. He has refused medical attention because of the attack earlier in the bathroom. And it's so fucking intense. I was, honestly, at this point, even though it's a two-hour show, so I'm like, I'll be invested. I was waning heavily after those last Already, two matches. Yeah. They were really, actually, all the matches were really fucking flagging at this point. Mm-hmm. But Austin got me right back in yeah. with this promo. Oh, my God. He's so intense. All right, I'm back here with Stone Cold Steve Austin, World Wrestling Federation President, Gorilla Monsoon. Stone Cold, I got to ask you, are you in any shape to wrestle at all tonight? Son, you ain't gonna keep me from that damn ring. I told Bret Hart he'd have to kill me before I left him alone. So you can take your ass and get out of here because there ain't no way that I ain't fighting Bret Hart. And that's the bottom line. Mr. Austin, you've refused medical attention after what must have been a savage attack. Is I mean, is that very smart? I don't need medical attention. I'll tell you, Bret Hart's gonna need medical attention when I get through with his ass because he can bring his whole family and his old fat father's stew because none of them can whip Steve Austin's ass. They only got a all piece right. and they didn't get all that. In a couple of sentences, you just immediately can tell this guy's the best promo in the company, like head and shoulders yeah. above everyone else. How great is Gorilla Monster? soon as the really exacerbated big man who tries to keep this chaotic show going. Absolutely. Like me and Kevin have watched a few roles together and have t- chatted about this a little bit about how Gorilla is this really perfect this is how you have the babyface authority figure. He's not always there every minute. It's just when something has it's gone. If. It's something goes disastrously yeah. wrong. Okay, we'll get Gorilla to weigh in on it. And his decision will always be level-headed and unbiased. And it just it works so well as a sports broadcast. It's exactly like, the same that they do with William Regal in NXT. Yeah, He's same not there character. every episode. If something needs the in story logic for this character to come in, he'll be there. And I like as well, like Regal. He's quite big, and there's something about having an old man authority figure or whatever, where they have quite a large stature. And like having big Gorilla Monsoon there, it's kind of like, oh yeah, he carries the lineage of the company mm. back to Vince Senior. Mm-hmm. It actually has a weight to it, a lot more so than like fucking John Laurinaitis or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be really excited to see someone like Big Show go into that kind of role Ooh, one day. Yeah. Imagine big face authority Big Show. Like that would be so good. Because like, it's something that happened before this, which was, um, you know, before our timeline started, but a big moment with Gorilla Monsoon. Vader attacking Gorilla Monsoon. Oh shit. It was the first time they ever had an authority figure get attacked by a wrestler on TV. Yeah. And you had Vader doing the Vader bomb and beating up old gorilla she did the Vader bomb, the Vader bomb on bomb him gorilla. Oh. 
you're seeing an old man gorilla who's big and you think, oh, he can stick up for himself, surely, but he gets thrashed and it's oh. so fucking powerful. But yeah, he's great and he's great with Austin where he's like, I don't know what to do with you, Steve Austin. He's like, well, I don't care that you don't know what to do with me. Like, the amount of times where he tells Austin just to go, just go, leave, yeah. get out of here. I don't know what to do with you. Like, it's great because Vince kind of inherits this mess, so to speak, when he becomes the, yeah. the on-screen owner of that. Mm. I love it. So, yeah, the only thing about this that's a little bit fishy is like, well, I mean, the only option to do with this is because of the time that Steve Austin needs here. I'm going to have The Undertaker have his match against Mankind now because that match is so exciting and so anticipated that it has to happen in the middle of the card. <laughs> I mean, you call that fishy, but the thing is, the, the fact is, Brett versus Austin is undoubtedly the yeah. hottest feud going in. And I appreciate the effort to at least explain why the title isn't going on last. Yeah. Instead of just putting Brett and Austin on, they've given you a kayfabe reason. Austin's, true, yeah. Austin's hurt, he needs to recover. So out of fairness, we're going to delay their match. It would have been nice if, you know, back in when we were in season two, they would have had moments where John Laurinaitis was like, Hello everyone, just to confirm tonight, CM Punk is not as big a superstar as we think that you think he is. <laughs> so we'll be defending that belt eh, around the time you want to be going to the toilet and having a piss. <laughs> Main event though, John Cena and the Big Show, whoa! <laughs> caption contest test, this is a caption contest. Hello everyone, from the future, it's Kevin and Adam. Hi there. Hello, how you doing? I'm very well. Adam, we've got some captions for a big, dirty, juicy caption contest. Mm -hmm. But we also have here AOB, Authors of Business. Yep, I am here to take care of business, Kevin. Yeah. We are like just quickly putting the caption contest on hold for a sec. Yeah, holding it down, taking care of business. Don't reference that. <laughs> I know what that is, young man. <laughs> I'm not allowed to use it. Literally, Vincent Man has ruined the phrase holding it down. Taking care of business. Taking care. Well, maybe so. How's Undertaker going to put him away with the submission now? Well, like, not holding him down, that's for sure. You know, right. hang on a minute now. That submission has been banned along with the Hell's Gate. It's a fucking okay. bias against okay. the dead man. This is already the maddest <laughs> caption contest segment. Because like, we're, we're not doing a caption contest right this second. No, Adam forgot to do his homework at the original time of recording. That so, no good. What we're doing so now good. is we're just, we're just slipping it in into the teacher's pile of markings before teacher actually gets to my one. So right, I see. I'm going to slip it in here right now before the deadline. No the one noticed. The old slipperoo as it's <laughs> First thing, this is because a couple of people have asked me on Twitter to start doing this again and yeah, it's easy enough so let's do it. Let's have a look at the magazine cover for this month, Kevin. Why did we stop with the magazine covers? There was a reason, if I recall. They got so boring <laughs> to, the, to the point of it just being like, I would mention, oh, here's a nice picture of Taz on it this month. They did go downhill, didn't they? It, they did go downhill. But as has it... been rightly pointed out in 1997 with both WF Magazine and RAW Magazine. Oh, yeah. Where, where this is literally peak magazine for WWF, like. It is. I mean, I will, that said, last month's one for WrestleMania was just the main eventers from WrestleMania's faces in purple, and it said, he. Big letters. <laughs> this month. It's supposed to be the crayon. <laughs> you buy the magazine, who cares? <laughs> this month is much better. It is Brett the Hitman Hart standing back to back with Bart the Hitman Simpson. What? Wicker what now? And it says the Bart Foundation. I've heard of the Hart Foundation, but the Simpson Foundation. <laughs> Eat my short. I know, right? And yeah, it's literally, I guess, Brett was on The Simpsons around what? this time. Why would he want a place that smells like uh, old man stink? 
Why indeed? And then it also says here in the top right, the wild man and Sable trapped in the line of fire. Jesus Christ, what, what, look at all this adventures happened to me. When I was injured, man, with my hurt <laughs> knee, oh, there was fire, there was adventures. Come on with me, the wild man and Mark Barrow. We're going to find the secret of Jungle Canyon Cove. I just showed Kevin a Raw magazine there thinking that was funny. That's from the next month. And the reason why I got it wrong, and this is a big reason why we stopped doing this in the first place, yep. the months are confusing, Kevin. Why is that, Adam? I looked up Revenge of the Taker. When did it take place? April. April. April 97. So you type in magazine April 97, and it comes up with the WrestleMania edition. With ah. the and I remember as a child, this always confused me, that I would, in the month of May, I would go and buy the magazine, and it'd be like, oh, it's the June 98 edition or whatever. And they'd always release it a month in advance. That's that's awful, particularly if you were like me during the brief period where they put all the pay-per-views on Sky Box Office and Channel 4 tapped out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I didn't catch the pay-per-view this week, but don't worry, the still images of WF Magazine will will, will really take me through this pay-per-view <laughs> in a way that the actual action never could. So, yeah, that, there we go. That's why print media is dying, apparently. It's so. confusing with the dates. Just put today's date on it, mate. I want to go into a news agent's pick up my WWF magazine with today's date on it so I know it's up to date. Kids these days, though, they're going into the news agent's picking up their latest podcast, aren't they? They are, like, yeah, you listening know? to their Fortnite on the way to school. And, oi, Newsy, if the listener of this podcast hasn't gotten their free refreshers bar, go and uh, give them the thick end of the wedge, yeah? <laughs> Okay, and the other bit of business. Look at this! We Caption <laughs> contest in name only, like. There's like folders and files spilling everywhere. Yeah. Hold, bear with me here, Kevin. <laughs> I think I've got a caption around here somewhere for you, pal. <laughs> okay, the other bit of business. This is something that will be coming up again and again throughout season four. Yep. Journey into Darkness. I mean, this, we've taken this journey before, Adam, haven't we? We have. It started on Patreon. It's now available for free on the podcast feed, Journey into Darkness Parts 1 and 2. Check it out if you haven't already. That was the first ever episodes of the Bibliotech, I believe. It was. It was our first ever book review. So we figured now that we know Kane's actual factual life story, Which we may as well. includes lots of ice cream, chemicals and whatnot. And coffee, know. yeah. Spoilers ahead for Journey into Darkness and the career of Glenn Kane, like, mm -hmm. you know, just so we know. So, at this point in time, where we are now, Taker's Revenge, mm. roughly speaking, the book's not precise, but, you know, cross-referencing the best I can, Kane currently has been, well, he's recently stopped living in a cave. Yeah, which, that was big for him, that was huge. That like, was huge, yeah, because now he's living somewhere that isn't covered in his own shit and animal bones. Like. A lot of people think, like, oh, like, the first home you move out of, like, or the first time you move into a place on your own, that's, like, the big step. Well, if that first place is a cave covered in excrement, mm -hmm. detritus and all that, really is it's when you get out of the cave that's yeah. the real first big step the re-emergence yeah so Kane is now working on a pier under the name of James Dean oh <laughs> of course yeah and yep. he's watching telly with his buddy one day over a cup of coffee when he notices a familiar face on WWF television it's Paul Grimm, oh. the man that worked in the funeral pot. Now, this is why I love doing this, because you've forgotten all these details, like oh, Paul Grimm. Yeah. Oh, my God. We haven't even gotten to a bit of Kane on the dark dealing with the Mad Angels. Like, yeah, this is, <laughs> as well, this is to come. Like, you So know? Kane spies Paul Grimm, a face from the distant past on WWF TV, and he sets off to go and find WWF and find Paul Grimm in the heart of Cleveland. <laughs> Well, I'm very glad that we had the update on uh, on Glenn Kane. There you have it. And everyone who's listening to the episode is there going, oh yeah, because we also forgot about what happened in that book. <laughs> Caption contest. Here we go. Here we go now. Caption du jour is for the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, fresh off his big fucking 
pay-per-view debut at WrestleMania 13, and now he's grappling with another opponent. I'm talking about the World Wide Web, aka Surfing Online. Here we go. He's he's not looking very confident with himself behind the reins of this large computer mobile. You say that there's something about this picture where, like, I think there's kind of a bit of magic behind his eyes, where it's literally like the first time he's ever seen a computer. You know when you see like a footage of a chimp being shown a magic trick or something, and it's like, oh. <laughs> That's the same kind of look Ken has in his face here. Like, I can't fucking believe this, mate. It's like a baby looking into a mirror for the first time. Like, this is Ken Sharmock finding object permanence. Like, <laughs> this is big fucking deal from... I like this one as well, Adam, because this is very much like... Uh, I, I like the gamesmanship. I like the brinksmanship and the one-upsmanship that we get in the wrestling community online. Anytime anyone's like, hey, I've got a funny little one for you. It's Shawn Michaels pretending to type slowly. Well, here we go. We've got Ken Sharmock not pretending, mm -hmm. shoot type it slowly yeah, legit there's no pageantry here folks this is real <laughs> as it gets like this is ken shamrock bringing a, a dose of much needed reality to the world wrestling federation in 97 <laughs> not in the way that we thought he would be of course so adam you got some captions on twitter I got some on Facebook. I'll start off with the top-rated one. This is by a considerable mile. This has had all the other captions combined and come within a tenth of this one's popularity, which is, don't have a cow, man. <laughs> oh, we do love a good Simpsons reference on the podcast. We, we, ha do. we have fun here. What have you got? We've got one here from Jeff Maxfield saying, well, as you can see here, I'm just giving the computer a nice firm control of the lead. I'm, I'm not hurting it. I'm just letting it know who I am. <laughs> If anything, is there's a nice analogy for Billy Gunn. It is mid-range 90s computers. It's in there like... Do you think it's hot when it goes rolling for a bit while? Yeah, it just, you know... What's this noise? Evan Elson here with an internet fan. Mr. Shamrock, how do you feel about your chances to win the WWF Championship? Dangerous Man 69 replies... <laughs> Luke Stonely says, Damn girl, you're so hot, I want you to play my sister. There's lots of like low key, like. <laughs> yeah, you're already dated his sister. <laughs> I, I was wondering if, if Ken Shamrock, like, if he had been around in the invasion, you know, and then it's like Ken Shamrock is involved with a kiss your sister type stipulation, <laughs> and he'd be like, mm, I say. Oh no! Booker <laughs> T's interfered, and now I have to kiss my hot sister, Ryan. Like. Come here, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Smurfwaith, Ken Shamrock frustrated with the email subject line, the world's most dangerous spam. <laughs> Marty Ward says, Hi Jeeves, can internal bleeding be stopped without the attention of medical professional? I've tried everything, even screaming at it doesn't help. <laughs> Have you tried bopping yourself with both fists? Like, that can help. That is one of my, like, scariest images in wrestling is Ken on the floor of the locker room, blood coming out of his mouth. Get away! Oh, it's horrid. It is. It was meant to provide cover for Ken. Instead, it gave us the most fucking harrowing imagery in the history of wrestling. <laughs> Mikey Nelson here with some fucking poignant 2019 commentary right here. Ken Shamrock challenges injured Impact Champion to a match. <laughs> That'll show him. <laughs> Scott Cavaliero says, I'm learning. <laughs> we got that around 20,000 times. We got that around 20,000 times. I noticed we got about every different configuration under the sun of there is no any key. Like, yeah. To the point of someone, I swear, copied and pasted the entire script of that episode of The Simpsons. Like, uh, I, I think that he's looking up about steamed hams, uh, I believe. <laughs> it's a, an Albany expression. Jay McCann here with Shamrock finishing his memoirs. And since I achieved all my goals in the WWF at one run, there was no need for a second. The end. <laughs> the end. 
Wrestling referees are wizards say Ken heard the dial-up modem connect for the very first time, and it was then he got the idea for his signature scream. Yeah, because you get to hear that. And then he puts you in the ankle like, dinner, 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 dinner. That's it. <laughs> they used to make those noises in the Game Boy games, didn't they? When you got someone in a submission, they'd be like, rinner, rinner, you know, get you in the zone there. <laughs> I will say, what's the Twitter handle for that? At refs as wizards. At refs as wizards. Hell of an account. Hell of an account. Criminally overlooked. You've seriously, you guys got to check it out. If you like wizards and you like referee and you like hasty Photoshop and paint jobs, it's going to be your fucking brand. It's the one. It's the beautiful, beautiful Twitter game. Jonathan McDonough says, Ken Shamrock's going to figure out how to log in and read his emails one way or another. (laughs) Aaron Chalice here. Shamrock reluctantly voting for Billy's choice once again for Billy's boys pick, a (laughs) shitty pay-per-view from 2006. (laughs) Billy, you've been red. You've been red, friend. Liam on Twitter says, Ken logging on to the world's most dangerous LAN. Oh! <laughs> I understand. Mate, everyone knows the world's most dangerous LAN is my fucking Minecraft server, yeah? I'll fucking kill anyone who goes in there. Don't look at my things! Okay. Yeah? I oh, know, I'm only kidding. You can come out below. You look. like showing me your things. I did. Adam made a cafe in my Minecraft, yeah. didn't he? Sea beans. It is, because <laughs> it is on the sea, and you like beans. So there we go. Torbjorn Frazier says, and this is just for me and you, Kevin, not for the listeners. He put the picture in black and white and put, Agent Shamrock, listen to the sounds. <laughs> it is in your house. <laughs> oh my God. Elliot Hodges, Shamrock, 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 the 1997 mod of the chat, and he did it with his caps lock. <laughs> There's been a lot of, like, chat log style things which yeah. I quite like Scott Cavaliero again says Vader has joined the chat Vader ease up Ken what <laughs> Vader whack Vader has left the chat <laughs> <laughs> Stan Sharp here Spacebar I don't think I know that submission hey goodness yeah. sake beautiful <laughs> Sam Sharp how do you unlock Ken Shamrock on No Mercy N64? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta save up them dollars on the Smackdown Mall, Perry Saturn, A and B, sellotape down, go have a bloody brew, mate. Yeah, come back, <laughs> sortage. Darren Rayner says, all it took was a trip to PC World and another wrestler-fronted podcast was born. <laughs> oh, Adam. Oh, Ken's one of the few that hasn't done it, I, I think. I know, right? He's, he's a lone wolf here, like. I mean, man, the world's most dangerous pod. I'd listen to that, oh, like. Oh, God. I don't know I feel I have a Ryback quality about it, like, you know. <laughs> Snap into some stevia! Ice Twister says, QWERTY! More like, slap me. <laughs> <laughs> now slap me is one of my favourite bits ever it's one of the best ken moments of all time when i was playing a wrestling villain for fight like apes on their wrestling themed gig that they did many many years ago at the end of the show i was going to get slapped by the the lead singer mary and i had shown her the clip previously and she was very hesitant about wanting to slap me i was like you just slap me i was like slap me as hard as you fucking can because it'll look great and my glasses will fall off and be really funny Mm -hmm. and she reeled back to slap me i just went and slap me it's just great because there's a picture where she slapped me and she's got this great big smile like it's the funnest <laughs> thing ever James Herons I am here as to be on AOL <laughs> <laughs> Parik Duffy I never knew I had a rich uncle in Nigeria good lord I'm a millionaire you got mail no I'm the world's most dangerous man I will not cut that out because that is the best caption <laughs> 
You've got mail. I'm the most, most dangerous man. <laughs> Shane on Twitter says, Sorry, Mr. Stewhart, sir. My mom says I can't come over to your basement today. <laughs> Ooh, that would be immovable object and irresistible force stretching each other into oblivion like. Mm. Mark Ranson. <laughs> Less is more. How do I get on tout? <laughs> Shamrock would have been great on Tout. Like. Oh, he'd be all over it, just screaming and whatnot. Shamrock should be on Cameo. I would pay a fiver to get him to do a scream for the podcast. Or Duh. Like Hi, I'm Ken Shamrock, and you're listening to the ITR podcast. Duh. Duh. <laughs> you know, just the kind of the casual, like... Yeah, because he's obviously in a car park. Like, yeah. like Al Snow uh, yeah. is fucking going to Whole Foods or something <laughs> like that. Oh, I, oh, you know what? I'm going to rewatch that now if I look through and see what he got. <laughs> see if I can spot any eggs in the background. Stephen Orm says, Ken Googles how to win a Lions Den match. Google, no results found. <laughs> yeah, Rob Manfield. Look at all these hearts I have on Bebo. That, I, 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 I empathise with that statement. Yeah. You know? Not a Bebo kid myself, mate. Never got hearts, that's why. My MySpace all the way, baby. I got like three dozen hearts. Yeah. You know? yeah. I had like three dozen graffitis on my MySpace page that my friends would spend ages drawing for me. Cause graffitis? Because we, we cared, Kevin. Clearly, don't yeah. care about the rule of law. <laughs> Gary on Twitter says, Dear AE Podcast, just thought I'd let you know why the crowd are chanting Nugget at Owen Hey! <laughs> <laughs> it was Ken all along. Oh, it's a time loop. This is a, like, I'm hoping that you know this season, the plan is it's, it's going to be like Back to the Future too, where we're going to go back like, and we'll see us like, and be like, oh, Reviewing the show. Stop him. <laughs> Like, you know, like, see if we can stop Billy from breaking his leg. Yeah, like. and you look at look at a picture, and if you don't, like Billy starts fading away. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, as always, for your captions and your participation and your ears for Adam's. Yeah, your patience. Your patience. Your patience. Thank you for your patience. We're gonna head back now to 1997 and get ready, folks, because he's still at it. He's only bloody revenge it's The Undertaker's revenge because it's Revenge of the Taker. <laughs> Backstage, ECW alum Lance Wright, The Right Stuff, with The Heart Foundation. So Lance Wright had this erstwhile very, very bushy-eyed and bright-eyed and, I don't know, other fox analogies. He's, uh, he, he's this young boy they have here. He's kind of meant to be the next Michael Cole. Yeah. They send him to ECW for a little bit with a faction of men who are meant to be taking over ECW on behalf of Vince McMahon. It's a heavy-hitting team, folks, that features Furnace and LaFont. Okay, well, they can wrestle. Bracus. Okay. Draws. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. That's some fucking... That's it! <laughs> <laughs> Have you got the jam step in the ring with Bracus and Draws before he knows what his gimmick's going to be? It wasn't, isn't that when Bracus turns up and they just chanted steroids at him? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I've never seen a crowd so pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Fernis and LaFont, uh, they've got things going. They've got lots of irons in the fire. You yeah. Know? yeah. Will uh, we ever see them again? Uh, I mean, they were on Raw where they literally just, their music is so bad. Their music is literally dunker, 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 dunker. Whoa, what's going on here? There's another instrument. Dunker, dunker, dunker. Yeah, they had a match with LOD where they came out and neither of them could cut a promo. They're like, well, the LOD, they got the fans cheering for them. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, the fans aren't cheering for us. So I don't know, man. And then they're like, boo. And then they lose. They're like, well, the fans didn't cheer us. That's why we didn't win. Yep. Rematch next week. The fans still they just didn't do anything. It was, oh. They just, they're not cut out. You need to have character, you mm. know? And it, you can't get by on wrestling ability. And there you go. That's why you're at ECW with the right stuff. 
Bret Hart stares a hole in Lance Wright throughout all of this. And he is so masterful. Bret says, like, so little here. Mm. And he just has this little smile. And then he gets mm. up and goes, who's crying now? Oh! Hate him. You fucking bastard, Brett. Like, so hateable. What a performer. He is so great. Even his heel work is crisp. Yeah. Now, we shouldn't gloss over a very important detail here. <laughs> Lance is grilling Davey and Bulldog about the assault on Stone Cold in the bathroom. Where they were literally caught red-handed. Like. Yeah, literally you saw them with weapons going, Burr! Five star wanted rating. Davey says Austin started it. And Owen adds in that the two of them were just celebrating in the bathroom. <laughs> and then Austin came in. Well, was yeah. A piss sword fight. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> shake it up your dick and then you spray it everywhere. It's all frothy. Like, well, I guess someone does so much Formula One. You get the big jug of piss and you spray it on everyone. You know, you know it's a really important F1 when it's the fizzy piss they spray on So Vince McMahon is like, oh. I don't know if you've noticed it, folks, but there's a certain feeling in the air. And he's trying to make across like, oh, there's a there's a chill in the air, whatever. But he says this. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's getting cold and damp now. Ooh, <laughs> you might want to get. It's your... getting moist. <laughs> ooh, you might want to check out if you've got like rising moisture yeah. in the kitchen or uh, what. That's the ooh. The Undertaker's here, the WWF champion. You know what they say. Things get a little moist when the dead man. <laughs> <laughs> that shit, like. It gets a bit swampy. So here comes a weird ass video package. A very weird ass video package for the Undertaker and mankind. Like specters, they chill the souls of all who face them. Stalking their nightmares and crushing their dreams. Here, rules have no meaning. Because there is no escape. In this world, they are drawn to one another like kindred spirits. Mankind's existence is to be the enemy of the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. But we get also like farm animal noises yeah. set to other wrestlers. Yeah, and it's a lot of, a lot of black and white flash cuts and quickly. Like, it genuinely looks like the tape from The Ring. Like yeah. all the scary yeah, flashing images. In seven days I'll get the mandible claw. Like, <laughs> you yeah. will die in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's things like, you know, Headbanger Mosh being given a scoop slam and be like, what the fuck is this? Like, you know, 
fire in the eyes as well at the end of this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man. They they do put that over as like the fire. most devastating thing ever. Like. Fire is what it's all about. This one all started over a cup of fire, guys. Yeah. When mankind threw in the face of the Undertaker burning fire. And then the Undertaker was all like, bleh, bleh, bleh. and the Undertaker sold it. So I was like, "Whoa, that's big!" Like, you yeah. know. So that's what will get him to sell. Fire. <laughs> Chronic. You should have brought your fire with you, idiots. <laughs> that that being said, though, I really enjoyed that package because yeah. it's just mental. Yeah. Like it does feel like um, it could be oh, what's that film called? Begotten. You know the, the <laughs> oh fucking God. horrific movie. God, there was a brief period in the second year of uni where it felt like every week you would show me an upsetting film. <laughs> I would never forget Begotten. Like, a film shouldn't open with a twenty-minute shot of a man cutting open his guts and then rocking back and forth. Like. Oh, a wrestling promo package. That yeah. should absolutely. Yeah, we get a little promo here with Paul Bear and Mankind. I can smell the burning flesh of the Undertaker. Damp and burning flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Ew, no wonder the crowd are quiet. It's infected, like, it's like, just oh. a, not a nice place to be here tonight. Mankind is clutching a fire extinguisher, and I was unfortunately distracted from Mick Foley's excellent promo because he had a big, dirty gloop of the night in his beard. Oh, yeah. yeah. you got to get a, gotta get a wood comb, Mick, and you got to have a... Before you go on camera... Why would, why quick, would no oh, yeah. one tell him? I know. Because it's good for his character, isn't it? Like, He's yeah. sick. They didn't tell him when he had like mayonnaise on his face as well either. Right? <laughs> <laughs> something about that that's really sad. Like Joe once told me because like I have this thing like if I see someone eating on their own, I'm like oh, I, just, I find it sad. I don't really? know why. Yeah, I once like turned around and saw my brother eating a burger at McDonald's. And I was like oh, even I was about to join him. Like you know, <laughs> and I told that to Joe and she's like she, she's like oh yeah, I understand. Like imagine if you saw a really old person they had mayonnaise on their face and they didn't know. Oh. And this is the idea about an old person having mayo on their face or anyone with a beard having that in there like oh it's very upsetting yeah maybe that's why they told them to keep it in like you speaking of that just reminded me back in the early days the first time I'd ever been recognised by someone because of the podcast I got tweeted about it saying like did I see you in Mackey's earlier today yes they did see me in Mackey's because I was there hung over and depressed by myself ah! like at like I want to say seven in the morning, alone eating a McMuffin, like looking really miserable. <laughs> like, man, like Randy the Ram. Hey, ain't you that guy from that podcast? No, no. no. <laughs> Someone else. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mankind comes out clutching a fire extinguisher, and Undertaker does the most annoying thing in the world. Ric Flair do this as well. You've won the championship. You're the fucking world champion. And he wears a robe over the belt. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? That's so rubbish. Show off that thing. <laughs> if you're going to do that, at least have a big reveal where yeah. it's like, whoa, look at that. Yeah, boo. Hey, there's the absolute worst. Mick Foley's got slightly new gear, I think. He's a bit more brown than usual. Hazelnut mankind. I yeah. Think is what it is. Like, Nutella. He look, looks very tasty. Mm. Like, it'd be a deep brownness if you bit into that, like, you know? Booger Red goes after Booger Beard. Oh, oh no. <laughs> That's what they call him. It's still there! He, <laughs> he went through Gorilla. They're like, <laughs> like, you know? Ridiculous. Like, Undertaker's got like what appears to be a poorly made sandwich on the side of his face. Yeah. You're going to go jerky one with like loads of sauce. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Like, a, like a proper like train station sandwich. Yeah, like, like this carriage is going to know that I'm having a big dirty barm here tonight. <laughs> we got a choke push by the Undertaker into the railing. And this is like 
this is dangerous territory. You got Mick Foley, who's in a championship match. He's very vocal, even on his promos now. He literally says, you've got muscled up pretty boys making an extra zero after their contract compared to me. And he's basically saying, Mark Merrow's getting six figures. Yeah. Why am I barely making six figures? You know, Mark Merrow's getting like half a million. He's getting like 200 grand or whatever it is. So he's out here to prove a point in a championship match, his first solo championship match in a while. Mm. And also as well, it's on a match that's been moved from the main event spot. Mm -hmm. So he's out to prove things with the back of his head. Yep. Yeah. The railing things. Oh, Jesus wept. The the bumps he takes into and over them are so fucking fast and rough. Yeah. It's petrifying. Fucking gross. Undertaker does old school, but he does it into a springboard clothesline. That's yeah. Really yeah. Cool. Way that. better. How did he do that? Like, Peak condition Taker here. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, pre-divorce, but post-chew. So he, he's got his dead eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul Bear interferes. We've got an urn shot, the lightest urn shot ever. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Amazingly how the bandage is still on at this point in the match. Mm. Like The mandible claw with a... Chin lock like heat as well. That's the problem with this mandible clause. It's sometimes the crowd like, ah, yeah. and other times they're like, okay, bite his fingers. I don't yeah, know. it's a rest hold. Like they're not into it. Yeah, jar smash over Undertaker's face. Yeah, we go to the outside of the ring, and mankind smashes a big glass jug right in his face in full view of the referee, who is lit, doesn't make a peep. Commentators just like ah, referee, not doing anything about that. There, it was obviously gimmicked because mankind like. He he went to hit it so hard, like it was a real thing, and like yeah. it just it went through, like his hands were by his hips, and it was like, <laughs> it went proper into him, like. But yeah, announcer's looking for the DQ. No, referee doesn't care. Even when we get a big chair shot, which actually causes the chair to be bent, and he holds it up for everyone to yeah. see. Yeah, look what I did. Big time cactus elbow. Oh, why? You don't need that anymore. On the concrete, like... The mandible claw now. Lots of eye-based offense to the sandwich of The Undertaker. <laughs> oh, he's smearing out all the sauce and yeah. burnt bacon bits. The fake burn, though, what did you think, like? It looks pretty all right. Mm. I think so. It's better than the time Triple H got eaten by a snake. I was going like, to say, it's what he reminded me of. He's puff face, like. Yeah, snake face. Pulling pile driver, the best type of pile driver. So nice, he does it twice. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is already the best mankind match we've had so far. King starts going, Oh man, imagine mankind is the champion. Pulling his hair out, stabbing his leg, living in a boiler room. How would you market that, McMahon? <laughs> and his mince just goes quietly, We'd find some way, I'm sure. <laughs> How would you do it? He's got motion detector as <laughs> <laughs> Stairs and chairs in the ring or Cole's dilemma as we call it. <laughs> Jay Orky's going on about the mask, like how mankind gets hit in the face loads. It's like, oh no, that chair shot. It didn't hurt mankind because he, he got the mask, it deflected the blow. It's his down and B special, like no, he's just getting hit in the head with a chair, mate. You know, yeah. To make out, it's, it's fun, like. It's like. The mask is made of fucking string, basically. Unbelievable. Like. Get the hangman spot. The mask gets pushed off. Mm. Better that than the air, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stairs get brought into the ring. Mankind gets knocked off the apron into the table. Yeah, this this looked very silly. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was the damnedest thing ever, and I was left wondering how they did it, and if it was gimmick to do it, why they don't do it all the time? Because I love this. I love it. 
I'm sort of between the two of you. I love it, but it was silly, and I don't think they should do it all the time. Like he's stuck so, like Winnie the Pooh. It, <laughs> we, should, we should describe it like the, the right, announcer. You see tape, Winnie the Pooh, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he really wants that honey, and he goes through the gimmicked window, and he can't get out. Like it's pretty much that. Like it's like a perfect circle has been cut out of the announce table, and Mick just and then been covered up with like a tablecloth. Yeah, and Mick just plops right into it, and it's like you say, his arse is sticking out, and his legs are like kicking in the air. It's a very funny image. Like I, I think he had imagined that he would have went through it possibly even mm. better like beforehand he's like lunch lady Doris have you got any grease <laughs> they grease me up you sick sons of bitches we get the choke slam and a kick edge and then the tombstone no 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 as the one man in the arena who cares cries out and Paul Bear I turned to you and I said did you hear that kid <laughs> you had to tell me it was Paul Bear <laughs> <laughs> no Wake up, Papa! Wake up! Get up, giant! Get up, giant! Uh, really solid finish. Undertaker wins clean. I enjoyed that match. I loved that yeah, match. I good. really enjoyed it. I mean, I know we got gimmicks in it, but it was one of the better straight matches between these two, I think. Yeah, it was a bit slow at points. There was a bit too much crowd brawling and resting for my liking. But it was as far as an Undertaker match goes, it was in, good. In my opinion, of the whole run of the podcast, this is definitely up there as best Undertaker matches for me mm. yeah honestly of, like, of, of, of what we've covered definitely this is toward the top I'm guessing his match at Mania 17 is that still your favourite Undertaker from this time like because I think I seem to recall you saying that was the only match of his you liked. Like, I think so. Yeah. Are, yeah. are we excluding Hell in the Cell at WrestleMania 28 and all that? That is the best Undertaker yeah. match. Or are, yeah. or are we like a lot of our fan base assuming, pretending we didn't do that season? <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh, I want to talk about how much I like that match there because what comes next is uh, one of the most cringe-inducing, sad things, and literally one of those. Uh oh, this is all anyone remembers about this pay-per-view. It is. It's that clip from Botchamania, you know, the one where they tried to light the fire and it's mm. like, it goes from Nike's sexy, just do it, to the Irish, for feck's sake, would you not just do it now for fuck's sake? You're making a show of me. That's oh. exactly the attitude on The Undertaker's face when he takes the lighter from Mick, like, he looks so fucking done. It's apprehension to a T. Foley can't light the flash paper in his hand. His hand's trembling. He's just wrestled a big match. Like. Yeah. Hand's trembling, lighter's trembling, flash paper is wet in his hand because of the sweat, and he just couldn't get it to light. He couldn't get the lighter to go, and he was meant to do it in a way where he was meant to hold the paper away so he wouldn't know. It was meant to be. Like, the first one, they were like, Mankind like cast fire. He threw a fireball. Yeah, they say, it's yeah, super effective. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. Undertaker is a dead man type Pokemon. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was super effective against him. We weren't meant to know it was flash paper. And what's meant to happen is Paul Bear is meant to get in the way, and Mankind's meant to go for Undertaker and then hit Paul Bear, mm -hmm. which is a bit complicated. Mm -hmm. So instead, what happens is they dance around a little bit, and Undertaker stood there with Paul Bear, going, "No, please!" And Mankind's like. Uh, I'm trying to light this on you now for mm. some reason. Then they go away and then they do a little dosey do and Undertaker's yeah. like a big boot and Mankind just kind of goes <laughs> And then Undertaker's like, screw this. It's flash paper, yeah. you idiot. Yeah, like he, fuck, he fucking no-sells it, just holding it and he starts trying to light it. Yeah. Fucking hell, it's ridiculous. Like, he's just like... <laughs> He 
he's meant to be this guy who guards kayfabe and mystique and it's like there's one supernatural element to your side it's the fucking fireball and mm-hmm. he ruined this and he's like yeah there's an old saying on the bayou that goes bleh, <laughs> and then Paul Bear he sells it like a motherfucker he does yeah and as Paul Bear is screaming on as his head over his hands they pull the seat over him Mick Foley's like no and they're pulling him away it's this very young little kid just goes how does it feel <laughs> whoa <laughs> embarrassing I imagine <laughs> oh man imagine going back after that Jesus there's actually a bit the week or two after this where Mankind comes out literally with a fucking like a blowtorch like he's gonna he's it's on fire like oh my god he's got a fire breathing oh my god he's got a blowtorch and he comes into the ring to light it on the Undertaker and I'm just so nervous for him he's literally going come on come on light and it finally does I'm like oh god just keep Mick Foley away from fire because if he doesn't die doing it I'll die of embarrassment (laughs) yeah like Oh boy, a spot for In Your House, and then we come backstage to Doc Hendricks with Bret Hart and his friends. He says that, me versus the fans, it's a war, and I'm going to cripple Stone Cold Steve Austin, that no good sniveling hyena. He hates hyenas, does, does. Bret like, you know? They were complicit in Scar's rule of terror <laughs> over all the, the Lion King, he was the rifle, the Lion King, Simba got screwed, man. <laughs> Simba screwed Simba. I'm not buying that not one bit. I got the jam to stand up to Scar and them hyenas. I went right down to the elephant's graveyard. I looked at him right in the eye. You sort of a bitch. I do like his argument of, I've beaten Stone Cold twice. To a bloody pole. Show yeah. me some fucking respect. Yeah. That's like what like the, the, the heel's got to feel justified. Oh. What more of a justification is that? Yeah. I've beaten him. Why do I have to keep proving myself? I'm Bret Hart. And like, that alone is good enough. You add in them like managing to turn it the world versus America. Mm-hmm. It's quite a nice way to introduce the world to attitude because it's kind of like they're recognizing that American culture is a bit brash. And perhaps, yes, across the world, it may seem a bit in poor taste compared to the family friendly stuff of yesteryear. And it's starting off by instead of saying, hey, now we're edgy, it's like America's edgy. This is an American pride thing, freedom of expression. It's cool to be edgy. And we're turning the world against it in a kind of inclusive way. Mm. It's actually, you know, it's not, it's much less America versus Canada than they make out, really, when you, they're looking back at this. They're like, oh, Canada, America. Brett's in Kuwait before this going, what a pleasure it is to be here in Kuwait. The greatest wrestling fans. They only get to see wrestling once every few years and they're so grateful. Not like those American sniveling hyenas. Want to see a guy like Stone Cold Steve. They want to see a hyena. Have you, have you read up about hyenas? They're the worst. They, they laugh. That's really weird. <laughs> so yeah, he's like he's bigging up like South Africa, Germany, all these countries. You know, I like that America and like England have very quickly forgotten their kind of cooperation in the war yeah. and shit. Now it's like, yeah... Fuck America. <laughs> Never get on your side, mate. Oh, well, that carry on, <laughs> I was doing that cheap collectively. Uh, I know. Americans. <laughs> Brett the Hitman Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Here? In our house? All right. In the middle of our street. Brilla Monsoon brands the entire Hart Foundation. I love, though, when he's coming out. 
the old version of Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme. Mm. It's like sound like he's underwater, like it's got a real Duke Nukem 3D quality to it, and I'm not mm. sure why, but is it's it, so basic. Like there's police sirens at some point in the background as well, because someone's called the police. He's that much of a bad boy as well. Like I'll rip off your head and shit down your neck, <laughs> shake it, baby. They chat about Austin being attacked in the bathroom, which we now know canonically is Austin's lone blind spot. Yeah, Austin will never sell for anyone like he sells for you in the bathroom. It's true, like, you know. It's true. Austin beats up Brett, and then he does Brett's little dance in the ring as well, which is very funny to see. There's great pace between these two, but if not even Bret Hart and Steve Austin, the hottest feud in wrestling is going to wake up the crowd at this point. Mm. What will? Nothing like. They go to the outside, they brawl a little bit. Austin gets tangled up in Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> like, ah, he's right in my kisser. Because, like, Gorilla's just, like, sat on a chair by himself, yeah. like like an old southern gentleman. <laughs> too small, that is, chair for himself. He's always going to be uncomfortable and yeah. ordinary as a result of that. So, yeah, he gets all tangled up in Gorilla Monsoon. Help! Get a ref bump Brett grabs a chair and hits Austin right in the knee oh the selling on this is fucking beautiful it's really fucking sore looking and they really put over Austin's knee braces being like not aesthetic he needs it yeah Yeah. also big up to Stone Cold Steve Austin who in all the backstage segments in 1997 after he wrestles carries his knee brace on his back like a saddle which is really cool He's walking around with over his shoulder like, I just drifted into town. I got my saddle. I'm going to ride my knee out of here. (laughs) (laughs) We get the figure four on the ring post again. We cut back to backstage. Ah, that's it. I've got written here, Paul Bearer cries like Max Payne's dead baby. (laughs) In the middle of this (laughs) match. Let's take it back to what actually happened. So we cut backstage at this moment in time because... It's 97, so nothing what's happening is more important than what's happening backstage, even the main event. And Paul Bear is in a spot of other. Mm-hmm. He's uh, wailing. Yeah, he, he's been taken away on a stretcher, and he's going... Ooh! It's demonic. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, really scary. Just get going on about his eyes. So I think... And I, you know, we're still watching week to week, folks, but they're talking now that his face melted off here. Yes. Like, it's gone. It's, it's mm. gone. He has to go get a skin graft. And mankind has talked about how, like, Uncle Paul is never going to look the same again. When he comes back, I think this is when it goes from being, you know, the Pringles man to being... To white, powdered. Yeah, and... to looking like him, his, his actual face, you know, where he's got kind of the pockmarked face and he's got the... The, the blonder hair, looking like Vernon Dursley, basically. I am 90% sure that is actually a side effect of the chemicals and the ointments oh, that was used to heal up the burns. Because I was going to ask you, you know, we're going through this for the first time. We had a lot of help from our backers on Patreon who are chipping in with some kind of little bits of uh, you know nuggets of knowledge and all that. But Adam, we've got the tome of this time right at our fingertips. I'm assuming we'll be referring to Journey into Darkness for what really went down with The Undertaker around this time. Yeah, and in fact, when you say we've got the tome at our fingertips, that means that I actually left the book at home by accident today. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll probably when we get to the caption contest, we'll throw in a little Journey into Darkness yeah. analysis there. We'll take a little Journey into Journey into Darkness. Because this is definitely covered in the book, and I want to make sure we're keeping canonical here. Yeah. <laughs> So this is 1987, which means you're allowed to say, I'm going to kill him, I want him dead, I want to murder him. Yep. But damn, uh-oh. Uh-uh. Do these guys even give a darn about winning the match? I'd say they give a heck at least, like, oh. but that's just me. That's such a Michael Cole thing coming out of JR's mouth. It's dirty, I don't like it. Figure four again by Bret Hart, this time in the ring. Are the crowd miserable 
because in your house means that this is now all of their house. Yeah. And now we're looking at a 10,000 person house share, which in fairness would be the most miserable thing ever. Imagine like, the queue for the toilet. I know. Like, imagine the state of the fucking kitchen as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, you fucking 3,000 were meant to go and buy the shopping, but all you did was buy rancheros and a big jug of milk. Like, that's not dinner. I can only make five Netflix accounts on one account. <laughs> like, so what are you 1,500 people going to do? And like, it smells of damp and burning flesh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking rogue There's landlords. something dying here. <laughs> Austin swears at the referee, and then they crowd brawl. We get the worst pile driver ever. And I was about to skate it, but then I'm like, oh, wait, because of the leg, that's what they're doing. Dodgy yes. pile drivers. It's actually of the leg. really good. Austin collapses mid Irish whip. Oh, I like that a lot. Austin then gets his brace and hits Brett with it. He puts Brett in the sharpshooter. That's a nice looking shooter, baby. It's a very good. That's yeah. the best sharpshooter Austin's ever done, I would say. Like, it's, I think it's the the best non Brett sharpshooter. Oh, I'm gonna throw Owen in there. Oh no, oh no, no, does no a tasty yeah, one, yeah, you know? does a tasty one. Yeah. I did notice. I can't tell if this is Brett the Hitman Hart the character or Brett Hart the performer here. But whenever he gets put in his own move, the sharpshooter, he always like puts his face down with his hair over, so you can't see him like screaming in pain or anything. He just like head down, hair over. Because he doesn't it. want to be shown what? weak, but he also doesn't want to like let his move be shown as weak. Yeah, yeah. So that that's good for Bret Hart, the character. But do you reckon that's the man as well? Also, oh, like, I think. I mean, I can't let them see the hitman crying in his own move. Yeah, this is Bret Hart. I'm about to lose the Intercontinental Championship, but only because I got a curse put on me by Papa Shango. It's like, the only believable way. The only believable way that you could lose. But, like, surely that puts over the move and then yourself more. This is if such you a Schrodinger's cat thing for if you get put, If you get put in the move and... I mean, or is it uh, he doesn't want to be shown as one being as good as Austin's or Austin's being as good as his I think it's no one can do it as good as Brett I guess but he can't no sell it because that's rude so I don't know he just literally he just puts his face down because he doesn't want to make a decision I like the idea of Brett being in the rocks really shit shit shooter and then him doing a little smile that Brett does you know kind of little quiet (laughs) smile who's crying now who's who's crying now Owen and the dull bog appear and Austin gets the sharpshooter again. So we get interference with chairs and our main event ends in a disqualification because, yeah. Welcome to my house. There will be some DQs. We can even do some roll-ups. We don't have to have a finish, my house. So, yeah, there we go. Main event, it's over. And then we get a bit of a post-match here. Brett grabs a bell, Austin gets the chair, and then he kills Brett's leg. And another sharpshooter. So Brett is literally dying here now, yeah. leg-wise. Yeah. And Brett does have to go off very shortly after this. They do a street fight on Raw where they wrestle in their civvies, and Brett gets smashed in the leg with a chair, and Brett has to go do knee surgery then. Hmm. But Brett insists on coming back in a wheelchair, and there'll be lots about wheelchair Bret Hart and how fun that is. How often is it a character becomes exponentially more entertaining when they're in a wheelchair? Mm, Vince McMahon t- and Bret Hart. Kurt Angle, I'd and say Kurt as well. Yeah. Oh, no, no, come on. That was Luther Reigns, man. He was putting that over. Like, <laughs> how good is the wheelchair? It's the man pushing the wheelchair. Luther Reigns there. He, he had peas before. <laughs> Give me some of that peas. Some peas before. Give me some of that mashed tater. You gonna serve me, boy? I never had no Christmas dinner inside prison. I had a guards whomping my ass. Careful, because you're going to set off the Ruthless Aggression fans again. That's like. true, yeah. And they're already hot about Sinisky Watch. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
in your house a very auspicious start to looking at these pay-per-views mm. I enjoyed it but I think my reasons for enjoying it were more I think this is like a big episode of Raw and I'm liking Raw a lot at the moment mm. so yeah I mean what are your thoughts Billy I'm interested to know you've been watching I, the Raw I, 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 with you. I think this is infinitely better than Wrestlemania 13 infinitely infinitely better than 13 Why? I was just so bored by 13 I didn't care about any of the storylines in it. Is Sid that bad? Oh. It's not just Sid, it was the whole show. Well, we and have more storylines here than yeah. we do WrestleMania. That's yeah. wild. There's more stuff going on here. And I, I know that like we had too many fucking schmozzy finishes, which is unacceptable for a pay-per-view with this few matches mm. to have that many schmozzy finishes. Yeah. But that I still found myself... And I don't know if it's because of the length as well, but it was only an hour, a, a sweet hour fifty. If I was just like going through this like a breeze, I wasn't like looking elsewhere. Like I was in thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't like trying to find ways to distract myself. I was we like, let's this do this in one, one. Everyone did this in one sitting. Yeah, yeah. And the next one as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. And I mean, I think five matches, most of which are featuring top stars. I mean, even the undercards. I mean, you have got The Rock here. You know, you've got. You know, mankind, Undertaker. You got Bread and Bolt. You've got lots of really talented people, and there's only so bad five matches with really good people, as unentertaining and non-finishy mm. as they all were. They could only be so bad. It was quite watchable. I felt. Yeah. What about you? What do you think of this one? It was watchable. I mean, I'm with you in that just because it felt like a long episode of Raw, and Raw is pretty good around this time, so it's to be enjoyed. But it's just. I don't know, I feel like it is kind of insulting to put this kind of show on on pay-per-view and make people pay extra for this. Yeah. When all you're really doing is setting up a cold day in hell and getting people to watch Raw again, so... Yeah, this is quite, like, if you think WWE's pay-per-view model was cynical now, like... Yeah, I mean, honestly. It's, it's just more transparently cynical back here, I yeah. guess. Match of the Night MVP, bit of a weird one, uh, Adam? Match of the night is going to be Brett and Austin again, I think. Mm. I, I know you guys were quite keen on Mankind and Undertaker, but I did think it was a little slow, and I could have done without some of the crowd brawling. Brett and Austin, though, I think still put on a very intense, entertaining affair, especially because was Brett shoot injured here? Like He was definitely hurt at this point. Because yeah. that surgery he goes for is a real surgery. Yeah, that's not storyline. Like, yeah, that's yeah. an actual thing. So. I think it was one of those things that he was putting it off. Like, yeah, working yeah. hurt, basically. Yeah. Not necessarily injured, but yeah. working hurt. So I think that's impressive. It was the only match that really got the crowd into it in any capacity, and even then, that's kind of a stretch. Like it is impressive with Brett though to watch matches where there are no mistakes. I say I say that like not knowing all the matches you're about to watch, but they're they're not necessarily the most entertaining things always, but they're gaff free for the most yeah. part. Yeah, he says not knowing what's yet to come. I yeah. guess MVP then. MVP is tough because like. I don't want to give it to someone like Savio Vega just for being a little bit surprising because it was like, oh, I didn't know he was capable of that. Yeah. I know that's usually my go-to thing is someone that shocked me with what they're capable of. But again, I'm going to have to double down on Bret Hart because I, I am so digging this heel turn on Raw, on pay-per-view, everything. Every chance he gets with a microphone... He makes you hate him. I'm sick of his whining. In, in a, but it's such a believable... You know when some people come out and they're like, 
eh, give me that side, bleh, you know, just this yeah. lame shit, you know. And even though it's an anti-American thing, he's not kind of like, oh, your sports teams are terrible. No. No, it's about values. Yes. Yeah. Family. Society. Values are under attack. Yeah. I fucking love that, yeah. So this, I'm loving this dark-sided asshole, Brett, because honestly, week on week, he gets more and more and more hateable and smug, and I love it. Like, Think about all the big heel turns that you've had from, like, top guys, Austin, Hogan, Savage, you know, Cena we never got or whatever. But they always stick in the crawl a little bit and it feels like they go too hard the other way. Austin just became so violent and so angry and so crazy. It was quite, even though it became very entertaining in 2001 later on, at the start it was very jarring. Mm. Hogan with Hollywood Hogan was just it was a fucking ego trip for him, like yeah. to have, you know, have him live his fucking fantasy. It was life. just him saying what he actually felt. But Brett here, never before has there been a heel turn where it's a top guy who's not like violent venom. He's just kind of like, I'm just kind of disappointed in these fans. You yeah, know? I've given so much of myself, and he's so quiet and soft spoken about it. And it's like, like if John Cena had ever went heel. Or Roman Reigns had ever went here. This should be the what what the, the what they should, yeah, should not be the, the template. Yeah, not dial it up to a thousand. It mm, should nope. be kind of quiet, like kind of these fans, huh? Thought I deserved better than this, but fine, that's just the way the world's going, isn't it? Fans over there are great though, aren't they? Like, <laughs> God, I wish I was back in Kuwait, like you know. Billy, match of the night MVP. Match the the night I'm gonna give to Taker and Mankind. Yep. Really, really enjoyed this match. Even that really silly table bump. I still, I, 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 I didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. I just thought it looks a little bit silly, but I enjoyed it. If you went all the way through, you would have ended up at Narnia and you never would have seen me. <laughs> like. But no, I just, I just generally in, enjoyed that match. Both guys at peak condition. Yeah. Mm, like, that's probably the, the, the best condition I've seen either of these two guys in. It's weird seeing Mick Foley, the difference between 97 and 98. Yeah. You know, because, and like he himself, he said the biggest noticeable difference he found in his career was between 98 and 99. If you're watching 98, he's having high profile matches. 99, he can barely walk. Yeah. yeah. But even 97 to 98, the, the, the injuries are, he's one step ahead of us, I think now, but it obviously he's got to catch up with them. Yep. MVP then? And then for the same reason of it being peak condition, which I've never seen, I think possibly for the first time ever, I'm giving it to The Undertaker. Oh! Really? Yeah. So I've never seen, aside from 13, I've never seen an Undertaker match this far back in his history. And it's crazy seeing how spry and how quick and how just... I I can see, like, if, if we'd maybe started here... In season one, right? You could I, see I could have said, I could have seen what the deal was, and, yeah. and and then I don't know if that would have been then worse for me. It's like, oh, he was so good at the start. Now it's but, all but, down But here. now, I, but I can, but I can now, I think to a degree, appreciate the Undertaker. Yeah, I know it's only going to go will. downhill. Yeah, but uh, for me, in any way, but I, I think Undertaker definitely. I was, I, I was kind of blown away by the Undertaker today. Wow. Fuck me! It's interesting theory. I wonder if we will see because I know Taker is a champion for a while here. This is one of his longest reigns with the belt. I wonder if we are going to see some of this kind of goodwill of like high quality matches that mm. people put up with or because I mean we, I think we just assumed that people just reacted because he was the big bad guy at yeah. the time or whatever but maybe there's a lot more performances here I was certainly surprised by him. I'd say I'd agree with you for match of the night MVP it's got to be Brett though like mm. I think my new favourite character in wrestling I, I'd like, agree yeah I so wish much. I had the jam to be as much oh, of an entertainer as him so fucking good and you know what I'm really happy about as well we're only in like April 
And he so we got like seven more months of this yeah. branding. Yes, great. I thought this happened like the two or three months before Montreal, mm. and that was it. I didn't realize mm. it was gone for this long. There's a lot of great stuff to get into. And the Heart Foundation are all over our next episode, which will be a cold day in hell in your house. So uh, turn the heating on or something, I guess. I don't know. Wear two coats. I don't know. Thank you so much for seeing this episode of the Attitude Era podcast. And as always, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume and imbibe your podcast, leave us an old rating or review. Help us with the old algorithm. And the best thing you can do, if there's somebody you think might be interested in us talking about the Attitude Era, introduce us to a friend. Head over to facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast if you would like to see a catalogued archive of all of our little videos of clips from classic moments on the podcast, current episodes, new episodes, and previews of things that you can see on our Patreon feed. So you're telling me that we've got like how many videos now was recently? Over a hundred. Over a hundred. I think we're pretty sure we're over a hundred videos now, yeah. That's amazing. Like, honestly, I, I kind of forget which videos have been made just going back and like seeing like, all the old ones. There's so many there now. Mm. It's a fabulous archive. And hey, yeah, you will see, as Adam said there, some previews of our content over on patreon.com forward slash AE Podcast, if you want to give back to the show, support the guys here, and as well as that, get access to loads and loads and loads of content, Smackdown Crawl, an entire series where we review all of Smackdown, the Bibliotech, where Adam goes in deep with wrestling books, and full-length video episodes with our gamesmanship series from the 97 movie. Do check out our Warzone episode, they're all fully available in video, alongside lots of other goodies, if you become just a $5 backer, over on patreon.com forward slash AE Podcasts. And if you are a stuff and things fancier, such as I, head on over to MatthewsBotchermania.com. Stuff, things, Undertaker's good now. Who knew? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Until next time, where we'll be having our good winter coats on us as well now, because I don't want any of you getting a chill. And if you get a chill now, that'll mean they'll be sniffing then for. All right. Do you remember All Valentine's right. Day Massacre? No. no. I listened back to that episode the other day. The pe- that's the creation of the pestilence soundboard, I believe, that episode. We're three feet deep in gunge in that one. I'm not happening <laughs> it again. A cold day in hell. Wrap up warm, folks. Season four will roll on, and it's going to be a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast.